This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Will. I'm Zang. I'm Luke. I'm Zero Zero. And uh, before we get into these Manic Monday topics, Will, why don't you say Manic Monday for me? Oh, I hate doing this. Manic Monday. <laughs> <laughs> so creepy. This is why we still don't have a <laughs> People get on Monday like, nope. So t- today's video is going to be about all about Halo 4 and PC and a couple other Master Chief Collection and Halo-related updates. Um, but before we get into that, let's introduce the channels we have here. We got Zang. Why don't you tell me about your channel? I do reaction videos to all sorts of great stuff. Star Wars, uh, Halo, Arrowverse, all great things that uh, also are extremely infuriating because of copyright. But I'm also <laughs> uh, shifting to Halo videos too. So yeah, it's basically my channel. I'm just, just a random reactor out there in the thing that is YouTube. You're not so random when you hit 800 subscribers. You got 799, so you won't be random when one more uh, One more, yeah. Maybe maybe you can convince Luke to subscribe. We'll see. <laughs> no, I'll put that number up. I'll get it up back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Luke, uh, how about you? Yeah, I'm a Hidden Xperia. I make Halo videos. Uh, and also when there's nothing Halo to talk about, which is basically all the time at the moment, I make <laughs> SCP videos as well. Yep. All right, Installation Zero Zero. Uh, yeah, I, I make Halo lore videos and i'm best known for my most detailed breakdown series yeah and uh who uh who was the person that shouted you out in the beginning was it uh what was that guy's name i can't remember you know eckhart slatter there's a really great most detailed breakdown on eckhart slatter's channel that installation zero zero did and uh, i saw some some comments on there said begging for that british accent to come back and i'm like you realize it's not the same person right (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, um, I just thought I'd highlight that. It was pretty funny. Um, so we're going to talk about, uh, the first thing is the Master Chief Collection has gotten an update for the Xbox Series S and X to make it work better and make it more optimized. What do you guys think about that? I thought that I was pretty cool. I have no opinion on it because I wasn't able to get a Series X. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I mean, I, I've not played the updated MCC on console yet because all the features that they've added I've had on PC for a while but mm-hmm. I love that they're adding PC features to console editions of games finally um, mm. it's really good to see console players get features like FOV sliders um, uh, uncap or not uncap frame rate but like 120 frames for a higher refresh rate monitors uh, like better draw distance and everything crossplay as well um, it's good to see console games getting PC features finally yeah yeah uh, and and uh, as a console player, I'm, I'm not big on PC gaming. I, I suck at it, to be completely, completely honest. Uh, um, <laughs> and I didn't understand the significance of an FOV slider until I went to PC gaming and just experimented with that a little bit. I was like, whoa, this is awesome. And then when I first tried 120 <laughs> frames per second for the first time, I was like, I was like, I can't play 60 frames per second anymore without complaining. Dude, um, experiencing a refresh rate above 60 for the first time is like opening your third eye. It is a <laughs> real life-changing experience. I'm not even kidding. First time I got a 144Hz monitor, I must have sat there for an hour moving the mouse around on the desktop, just looking at how <laughs> smooth it was going. I just got a high refresh, uh, high refresh monitor not too long ago, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> it's so good. Zero zero, you got any idea? Did you get an Xbox? Did any of you guys get an Xbox Series X? Yeah, well, Luke, Luke did, did for that's what I thought. I thought you did. Reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I refused no. to buy off scalpers, so no, I, yeah. I was I wasn't fortunate enough to get one. No, but, so, um, so I do know two people now that have one. I know Luke and Forge Labs. Both of those guys got them. Yeah, yeah. But I think we, we both got sent them. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It's like you can't buy them though. <laughs> 
I've had the same issue with the PS5. Yeah. I've been trying to get a PS5 for bloody ages, and I just, just can't. It's just... And I'm not paying £900 for some asshole scalper for it. Like, I'm not giving yeah, in to that. Definitely not happening. Well, you know, if you if you loved a franchise as much as Halo on Sony's side, maybe they'd send you one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, dude, I wish. I wish, man. I wish. Should have made Demon Souls videos. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry, Zero Zero, I cut you off. Yeah, yeah, so... I played I played Halo 4 at launch, um, and being able to play again now with a PC is just like uh, obviously the, gra- the 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 graphics alone. Just being able to see, it, it, you don't necessarily initially think that there's a, ma- a, a massive leap, but once you get a semi decent ga- um, gaming system, a semi decent gaming PC, the increase of graphics fidelity is awesome. It's great to see crossplay now finally yes. being the thing. I mean that's that's already opening up. Some some immense po- uh, possibilities for the future of Halo for, for being able to have crossplay between PC and um, the Xbox console. Um, and I'll be honest with you, since since having MCC um, for PC, I haven't gone back to MCC on the Xbox. I probably should, but I have <laughs> this awful feeling that I'm gonna I'm gonna fire it up. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna be like, no, can't do it. Sod it. I'm going back to the PC. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you finally get an Xbox Series X, I'm sure that'll be more comparable to a PC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I just need to that, get, yeah, get myself sort of one of those. Be. Yeah. That definitely will be. Um, yeah, the biggest thing for me is that like, I've been playing games now in 4K for like five years, four years, five years. Uh, so like a long time now. And I, I always find it tough going back to console because the games are always in 1080. I, it's going back, when you played it in 4K, it's, it's like when you play the game at a high refresh rate for the, like, for the first time. It's so hard to go back. It's so tough. Um, so yeah, but it's good to see all these kind of all these PC features finally come to console. I'm happy that that's finally happening. Mm. So the other thing that before we get into the Halo Four discussion, um, I guess Halo just put out an update. They're not going to have anything at the Video Game Awards. What do you guys think about that? Uh, it kind of sucks. Yeah, it sucks. Kind of expecting my soul since July. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I meant to say this earlier when Luke's saying that he went to lockdown and he can't rock climb. Shortly after, Halo comes out and says, yeah, we're not going to have news for a while. And I'm I like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. I'm telling you, man, the simulation works in weird ways. <laughs> yes. All right, now that we got that out of the way, um, Halo 4 has finally been released on the PC. It kind of got shadow dropped. At least in my mind, it was like in the middle of the night, I woke up the next day and Halo 4 was out. I was like, what? <laughs> um, and then, uh, so it was released on, uh, for the update, the, the, the Maester Chief, no, the Master Chief Collection, my goodness, which is Master now Chief? truly an all-encompassing package of the Halo first-person shooter games, except Halo 5. But it was not a, it was not a perfect launch, but it seemed to have launched pretty well. Um, what do you guys think of the launch on PC? Any, any uh, comments or, or criticism? I think, I think that... Oh, go on. Uh, I was just going to say the Halo 4 update was pretty good. I know some shaders and lighting issues have popped up. Um, but, I mean, not to excuse it, but it is always to be expected when you're updating a game as big as MCC with as many moving parts. Like It's like whack-a-mole. You, know? like, you put Halo 4 in and three other games pop up with bugs. Like, it's It's... It's always bound to happen. Not that it, not that I'm excusing it, but it's it's more. I would say it's a lot more difficult to make updates to a game like that with so many engines and moving parts in it than it is to just one game. Um, yeah. But overall, I think the updates been pretty good. Uh, Halo Four looks good on PC. Uh, still not the biggest fan of its art style, but like actually visually in terms of the actual fidelity, it looks really good. Uh, yeah, it it looks really good. Well, um, it looked amazing on the 360. I remember when it first came out, just it, thinking, yeah. wow. 
Give that me was... that chip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus, that, I remember on the 360, that was the first time for a Halo game where I actually thought, like, like, dude, holy crap. Like, I don't, I'm not a fan of the art style, but the actual, like, the literal graphics are, like, that was the first time I'd ever thought for Halo, like, wow, this looks pretty mad. I will say for Halo 3, I hooked, that was the first time I played a game in HD, and I hooked it up to like an HD TV, and I just, I actually just stared at the levels. I just walked around. I was like, "This is, this is the future. It's never getting better than this." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, that oh, that no. jump from like a like a tube CRT TV to a HD TV, yeah. like Halo 2 to Halo 3, that that was huge. That I think the only reason that I don't really think back on that as well as Halo 4 was because I was quite young when that happened, but like looking at it objectively speaking that was a massive jump like that was huge yeah. the, the young people nowadays will never understand the struggle of doing a land fest with your buds and having to actually lug a oh, crt yeah. television yeah. mate <laughs> <laughs> yep well truly um halo 3 playing that first level arrival right i was blown away i mean the grass you could literally it was the first time in my life where you could see grass defined in a game yeah, oh, and you shoot actually, the water and there's ripples. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Oh, was... dude, Halo 3's water. I used to be obsessed with that. Before I had Xbox yeah. Live, I used to sit there and kill myself in Valhalla and just watch the body float <laughs> yeah, down yeah. the river. <laughs> now, Will, you mentioned before you thought that Halo 4 would have done better as an Xbox One launch title as opposed I to a 360. I think this is a common opinion. It definitely should have been pushed. And the, we would given more time to work on the multiplayer because that was kind of trash. And also maybe, like, instead of having a ridiculously oh. long cutscene, um, with a librarian, they could actually have had, uh, you know, this, I don't know what happened to our screen here. But well, they could I lost have had, Chris. Like, I lost a couple Oops, not, um, levels there. Oh, you're back? Okay, hold on, I'm going to pull you back down. We might be swapping people's. Oh, oh, that's what I thought oh. was going to happen. <laughs> hold on, <laughs> let me, let's fix it. Let's fix I'm it. I'm better looking and British. There we go. Okay, we're all set now. We're all set I now. I suddenly love tea. Oh, no, I lost Will's in the wrong place now, too. <laughs> 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 what were we talking about about playing a whack-a-mole you move one person and they all move yeah. <laughs> there we go i'll just i'll just oh, chill out over here it's fine yeah I, uh, out. In, in regards to halo 4 being a launch title for the xbox one i 100 percent agree i absolutely agree it should have been um i mean the game did have i think it had like two and a half three years of development anyway so it just because it came out only two years after uh yeah. halo doesn't mean that it didn't have as long in the oven to cook but yeah i feel like I, the game i mean the game launched without a ranking system i mean dude come on like no i mean reach had one it was garbage but at least reach had one halo 4 just launched completely without a ranking system uh like no campaign theater forge was lackluster they could have buffed up they could have buffed up all those things so much if they'd had another year and also a more powerful system to make the game for it wasn't uh, not even that X much time, was there, between between the Halo 4 coming out and the Xbox One launching? It was I, close. I think it was literally, literally like less than a year. It was like, yeah. like Jesus. seven days or something less than a year. I really don't understand why they didn't just leave it, because it, it wasn't like Reach was doing badly. I mean, yeah, that, Reach... was like, that should have been a situation where Microsoft just stepped in and be like, hey, let's have this launch. Because, we're, you know, we're talking about Halo Infinite. It had been so nice to have launched on the, the new Xbox, but it would have been cool to have Halo 4 on, on the Xbox One. That would have yeah. sold a lot of consoles, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it would have done. Like, imagine if the, re the the return of Master Chief was the tagline they used for the Xbox yeah. One. It probably, would have, uh. probably would have made up for all the all the mess-ups they made with like DRM and everything. It probably would have <laughs> kind of covered for that, but it, yeah, it didn't. Yep. 
Matrick might still have a job, though. That that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm pretty right. sure he went to he went to Zynga after, and then Zynga went under. Uh, so I don't know what he's doing now. <laughs> anyway, I, I don't. That, that was mean. But uh, something that I do really appreciate about them, like reintroducing Halo Four on PC and back into the MCC, is that now all the Spartan Ops campaign, uh, vi- not visuals. I can't think of the word. Um, the cut videos, cutscenes, there you go, goodness. The oh, cutscenes are actually in the game now, so that, that ruined it for me that you could actually go and watch the cutscenes away from the game because I would just go and watch them instead of playing Spartan Ops. Um, so they actually have that as, like, a you know, the end, like ending of each mission, you actually get to see the cutscene. It's really cool. And then also the terminals. You don't have to access the Halo channel anymore. That, oh, like, thank God. Um, so, <laughs> like, the thing is, I will go back and play this game now and explore because of those two things. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice to have Halo 4 back in uh, like more parity to its original release version as opposed to the original MCC version. Because mm-hmm. the original, I mean, it's still not perfect. I mean, obviously, the one thing that everyone everyone knows about is that the Reclaimer cutscene is still broken. Uh, that that there must be something about that lighting issue in that cutscene that must that is so hard <clears> to <throat> fix because <throat> that has been a problem now for over six years and it's never been fixed. There's got to be something about that bug that is like impossible uh, to fix. Which kind of sucks, but yeah, it's, uh... yeah. Sorry, Gom. Are you talking about the one where uh, everyone was showing off the? I know late night gaming and Alex, they were like showing screenshots of like Lasky and like a really weird lighting on the. Is that the yeah. scene you're referring to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one uh, at the end of Reclaimer with a "Give me that chip," that one. <laughs> Give me that chip. Give me that chip. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> yeah, that one. No, um, sir. That one with yeah, that, it was that one after the after you destroy the particle cannon. Gotcha. Am I on the right scene or no? Yes. Yeah, 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 that's what I thought. I love, I love that Del Rio literally thinks that surrender that AI is one word. Surrender that AI. Yeah, that's awesome. I did, I did a, I did a live stream of, um, of Halo Four on PC the, 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 the day it launched on um, MCC for PC, mm-hmm. and I was there. when, when it got to, you were there. Awesome. I was there too. Um, yeah, I mean, I made a comment. You didn't respond, but that's, he responded that's fine. to me. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> but um, yeah, when when that put when that cutscene came up, that was all the chat was going on about is like the serenity of the AI, the give me that chip, and yeah, I think I think we were saying like you did, like you should have like his voice should have cracked like halfway through it, you know, like so it sounded like he was like a teenage boy started crying. Chief has to give him a cuddle, <laughs> calm him down. Yeah, <laughs> AI. <laughs> just, just do it just do it oh. <laughs> so I know there's a lot of things to complain about when it comes to Halo 4 but what are you, what's your favorite part now that you've gotten to revisit it on the PC what's your favorite part of Halo 4 narrative yeah I mean I love the story I don't think it was implemented very well from a gameplay standpoint but yeah I do like the story a lot I think the one yeah. scene that really that really sort of caught me is the the final scene when Chief is on the observation deck and Lasky gives him time to himself mm-hmm. at that first time that Chief talks out loud to himself that first acknowledgement of of his humanity for me was like a wow kind of situation because all this time he's been you know he's been the silent protagonist he's been stoic he's he's only ever responded if Cortana said something and generally speaking he doesn't always respond when she says something either mm-hmm. so to have him then suddenly be stood on an observation deck alone and say she said that to me once about being a machine was just like a wow 
that's that's this is like the beginning of an arc for chief where he's going to realize his mortality his humanity it was just yeah it was it was a more it was a more mature storyline I, I i think for me it was like i I've, I've been playing halo since ce and you know i was a child when i was playing ce and now i'm an adult and suddenly halo 4 comes out and it's got this kind of mature adult narrative that's going along with it you know this this discovering of humanity this um ethical dilemma of whether or not child soldiers are right and this that and the other and if if the ends really justify the means that was just like wow we need more of this this should be what halo is going to be i mean you know the execution of a few other aspects of halo 4 were debatable that's you know that's on record it's academic but the the narrative i think generally speaking across the board people say the narrative was awesome so yeah yeah the one cutscene that lost me was the cortana cutscene when she's jumping out of the light bridge i every time i see that and i just shake my head i just think that looks so dumb <laughs> and the thing does, is, i'll like, be honest it, it does look a bit weird when they all just kind of rise out the light bridge at the same time the thing is that game had me like I really was enjoying that game until that point, and then it's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and like suddenly she's like holding down it. Oh gosh, it's just so bad. I don't know if anyone actually likes that, but I, I hate that. I hate it so much. Again, I that video contains epic sadness. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the name of the channel is uh, FB Walshy FTW. In case anybody wants to find this person. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm like. I, I read. I think I subscribed to him actually. All right. Yeah, Walshy. That that channel is not actually Walshy, but it used to be really, really big for like montages and stuff. Okay. Um, what was I gonna say? I had something. Oh, uh, now that it's been remastered and we have all these cutscenes and stuff, um, and Halo Four is on the PC. We have we have one holdout, Halo Five, right? Do you guys think it makes any sense for three four three to release Halo Five on PC at this point in time? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it is. I mean, I am. I, I think it's no secret that I'm not a fan of Halo Five, but I think people should be able to like PC fans that have been pulled into Halo because of MCC PC should have access to all the Halo titles, even if mm-hmm. they aren't exactly the best ones. Um, yeah. They should be able to play them all, uh, like including Halo Wars Two as well. Halo Wars Two and Halo Five need to be put on Steam, both of them. Oh, Halo it's Wars criminal. Two is not on Steam. Nope, still up to no. the Windows Store. Still oh only on the Windows Store. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, I think that would really help that game too because it didn't sell super well. So I think putting it on Steam would really help it. Yeah, because it's a great game. It's a great yes. game. It just it thing is with Halo Wars Two. This is a bit of a tangent. I don't. I won't talk about this too long. But Halo Wars Two is a great game that released at the single most incorrect time for what it was. It was a Halo RTS that launched at a period when Halo and RTS were pretty low. You know, like they weren't exactly the most popular things, and mm-hmm. it's a great example of both of them. But it just launched at the worst time, and I feel like it didn't get a fair shakedown because of that. It, it it's a fantastic game that deserves another. It deserves a second wind, and I think adding it to Steam along with Halo mm, Five yeah, definitely give it that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how doable it is, but do do we think it would be a likely at all that maybe three four three would be able to integrate Halo Five Guardians into the Master Chief Collection? I, I, I hope not. I hope not. I mean, Halo 5 is, what, 100-something gig? MCC is, like, 175 gig complete, uh, I think, at least. It might be smaller than that. Either way, if you add the two together, it's well over 200 gigabytes. So it's, like... I mean, obviously, you can install, like, select games at your own will. You don't have to have everything installed, but... 
I think when you've got a game pushing like Modern Warfare size, you need to start of like rein it in a little bit. Mm, so you've got yeah. one game that takes up an entire SSD. That's when you need <laughs> it with compression and mm. file sizes. Yeah, and the thing is, like, from. it's taken me five years or however old Halo Five is to get to rank like ninety-two in Wars and like the multiplayer. I'm gonna be so mad if they restart that and they put it. <laughs> 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 Will's like, don't take away my rankings. <laughs> I know it's taking me so long to get there. I have a I new appreciation from... for Halo Five after going back and playing it again. Like the fact that it can play on the Xbox One VCR and look as good as it does is still super impressive to me. The VCR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does look pretty good. I like it better on the on the X, but it looks pretty good still. So you guys are saying I, I thought, it should it should launch separately? Or are you saying you you would you would not be opposed to it being the giant SSD size file? Nah, I say give it its own launch on Steam. Um, yeah, because another thing you got to consider as well, it's not just the file size; it would be the amount of UI elements that would be involved with implementing just Warzone and Rex into MCC. Like, oh, good, yeah, they, fair shout. Could you imagine the amount of like UI overhaul they'd have to do mm-hmm. just to accommodate loot boxes? And then you're going to have the whole thing of, like, people saying that MCC has loot boxes now because technically it would do, even though they aren't applied to the other games. I, I don't think they'd go near adding it to MCC. I think I think if they do it, and honestly, I don't I, I don't think they'll do it for a while. I don't think they'll do it before, before Infinite. I, I don't mm. think that's on the cards right now. It'll happen at some point in the future, I think, but um, I, I don't think they'll do it for a while because, I mean, they, they, they don't really need to, I don't think. Um what if it's they went really... the, the cheap route and said, it's in xCloud, there you go, PC players. Oh, no, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't get away with that. No chance. As good as xCloud is, they would not get away with that. No. I mean, they could do something where if you have both games on your PC, there could just be like a little toggle in the MCC screen where you could like select Halo 5 and this brings you over to the game. So you don't have to like exit out of MCC and then go into Halo 5. Kind of like how Cold War does with Warzone, where mm. it's not actually in the game yet, but if you click it, it opens. Yeah, I guess, I guess that could work. Yeah. Um, I mean, actually, to be fair, MCC already did that with the Halo Five Beta, didn't it? Halo so, yes, Five did. Beta. Mm-hmm. So technically, yeah, they could do that. I think the other thing didn't that... someone. Go ahead. Sorry. sorry. Go ahead. No, you, you've been uh, interrupted like three times now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I thought someone from Three for Three. I don't, it wasn't Postums. I think it was someone else, but they already confirmed that they weren't even gonna try to release Halo 5 on MCC, like, at all. Uh, they didn't say they weren't going to release it on Steam, but I'm pretty sure someone confirmed from 343. They said they, they aren't going to put it on MCC. I don't remember who it was. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. It doesn't matter what they say. <laughs> <laughs> it's what they do that I'm going to take uh, stock in. <laughs> it, it's not a surprise, though. I mean, I think adding it to MCC is entirely unrealistic. The amount of manpower that would make just, just, to, yeah. just to add it, let alone get it working. Like, like I said, all the UI overhauls, the new things that have to add to the game, things that have to rework it. I mean, MCC right now, I believe, has 11 or 12 engines in it, including all the customization engines and everything and UI engines. It it would... I mean, MCC is already pretty unstable. Adding something as big as Halo 5 and as complex yeah. as Halo 5, I think that would just push it over the edge. I, I, I don't think it would be worth it. Just give it its own release on Steam, make it a separate entity, leave it at that. That's the way I see it. I still want them to implement a feature that allows you to play the entire Halo series campaign in sequential order, where you just go continuously. Oh, yeah. yeah, 
I was actually going to say, I, I don't think this is a feature, but custom playlist creation would be kind of cool. Where you can make your own playlist of like, yeah, you know, there are playlists in the campaign. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You could make your own playlist and then like put it on your file share or something. And then it'd be like, you can make your own, yeah, like that. You could make a complete canon order playlist where halfway through Halo 2, it stops and you start playing ODST. And then you that come back to Halo 2. So cool. Yeah, that'd be that'd be. That'd be really cool to do something. And then like a that. black um, screen pops up that says, "Now go read this book." <laughs> now, now read three thousand words of a trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> no, just just stick to the games for now, and then we can add that in later. Dude, it's when, like, are it's... The audible, when are they gonna have the audible audiobooks for Steam? That's the real question. When are they getting that? <laughs> add that to the MCC collection in the middle. Just all right. Yeah. Now we're gonna have the narration section. <laughs> Now there's 18 hours of audio. <laughs> just, just think before before you even start playing any of the Halo games, you've got to listen to the audio books of the Forerunner saga first, and then <laughs> fill out a quiz to prove oh, that you've actually. Oh. And, <laughs> and then Broken Circle, and then Fall of Reach, and then you've got the games, and then you'll have to read all the other. Oh God. <laughs> Somebody should make a Halo timeline book like they did with the Zelda timeline book. The Zelda Historia, I think it's what's called. Make like a Halo Historia, just like here is all the events, and then here's the books to get there. Like a like a really quick, you know, artsy book with that in it. Not done a book, like... but I do want to do a video series where I kind of explore everything from start to finish. Yeah, I was thinking about doing something like that in the Run Up to Infinite, uh, like a like just one video that'd be like two hours long that was just the entire like literally everything. Like yeah. start to finish, it would be a long ass video, and that would be. A, to be fair, that would definitely be a video that I would 100% get other people in on. So, Mr. Zero Zero, you'll uh, I'll give you a call. You guys can yeah. have uh, same token jump in there too. He's got his 35 minute Halo recap video. He said there's yeah. a bunch of stuff he wanted to add in that he couldn't. I'm not surprised. Like that's the thing. If I if I ever got around to doing that, cause it would be a Herculean task. But if I did, I'd want to literally include everything. Like it, it would be like the timeline video not a single detail like chief eat a bloody protein bar and it have a part of a video about it you know like that everything now released on blu-ray hidden experience <laughs> halo recap <laughs> longer than all lord of the rings extended edition put together. <laughs> 50 hours of content anyway 50 hours Anybody else got anything they want to say about Halo 4 on PC? Mm-hmm. It's a good port. Um, it is. They yeah, should I mean, put I... some clothes on Cartana. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much all i got to say. I think it's, it's a good port. Uh, they did a good job porting it. Mm-hmm. We'll see it finished. Yeah. Installation 00, anything else? No, I, I absolutely agree with that sentiment. It's an awesome port, and being able to play it on PC and all of the new features that have sort of come with it being on pc is awesome to see and it's even even more awesome that those features are actually making their way back over to the xbox um the cross play also is 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 i'm sure paving the way for some awesome stuff we already know that cross play is going to be a factor in halo infinite and this is kind of a a way for them to dry run it almost give it a test make sure that it works um so the more people that you've got playing on xbox and pc the more people that we're having you know playing these cross play the, the, the cross play um, feature the the better that Halo Infinite is going to be. So hey, it's an investment in the future. Excellent. All right, guys, I do want to say thank you to Luke because I know he was uh, only committed to Monday to Wednesday, and this is the Monday episode. It's kind of weird. It's kind of out of order, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> so thank you, Luke, for being on the show this yeah, week. Thank you. I pleasure. Thank you for having me on, fellas. I appreciate it. 
And uh, I'm not sure if Zero Zero is going to stay on for the Friday video or not, but thank you also for being on the videos this week. You're very welcome. And your random surprise in the middle of the Thursday video was uh, yeah, yeah, a yeah, welcome so I just one. Just gate crash. And uh, Luke, you should definitely check out Xenoblade Chronicles X. I will say that. I think you'd I think you'd find that a fascinating game, even though it's stuck on the Wii U all by itself. Um, it's stuck I, on the Wii U. Ooh, yikes! <laughs> but it's got like mechs and futuristic planets and uh, uh, colonization. I think you'd really like that game. But anyways, yeah. as always, I'm Chris. I'm Will. I'm Zang. I'm Luke. I'm Zero Zero. And we will see you on next Girlcast. Bye, guys. This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. I'm Will. I'm Zeng. I'm Luke. I'm Zero Zero. And today is Tuber Tuesday. We're going to be talking about a, uh, a, a guy that a lot of us know at least a little bit about. Um, <laughs> and now I've got too many tabs. Whoops. Hold on. Let me get that out of there. It's Chris Raygun. Um, they don't have anybody doing a chair roll, but, you know. <laughs> Hang on. Just Hang imagine. On. Oh, go ahead. Oh, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. I'm going to try. I'm going to. Fucking try it's not gonna go well. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it look so easy. There we go. There it is. Imagine how many cuts he probably has where he falls out of the chair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I was gonna go that honestly. <laughs> Alright guys, um before we talk about Chris, everybody why don't you tell everybody about your channels? We'll start with Zang. Okay, so uh, long story short, I do reaction videos to all sorts of stuff, Star Wars, The Boys, Umbrella Academy, Arrowverse, all good stuff, uh, and I'm trying to focus on doing more Halo videos now, so yeah, that's basically my channel. Alright, we'll go to Luke. Uh, I make Halo videos, um, and also when there's nothing Halo to talk about, I talk about SCP. He also voices Paul. I also have voice Paul. That's <laughs> my, my, my side gig. <laughs> Alright, uh, Mr. Zero Zero, what you got going on here? What's your channel all about? I make uh, Halo lore videos and best known for my most detailed series where I break down Halo technology to insane levels of detail. Very insane levels of detail. It's mm-hmm. very awesome. And so is Luke's content and uh, Zang, Zang's reactions. On point. Alright. Most detailed reactions. <laughs> yes, there you go. We should do it. <laughs> Installation right. 00 is going to break down Zang's reaction <laughs> video. <laughs> All right, so let's get into uh, Mr. Raygun himself. Uh, Chris Raygun currently has 646,000 subscribers at the time of the mi- making of this video, and I assume he probably won't have any, any new subscribers unless he starts making videos again. Um, it's been about two months since his last video. Uh, and his channel was created on November 8, 2007. And he currently has, let's see if we can figure out how many views he currently has. Um, two or three. Two or three, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I give him a couple. <laughs> 106,987,971 views. And that's across one of his channels because he actually has like four channels. Um, I was close. <laughs> yeah, one or two, one million some, you know, or 100 million some. And you're very close, right? Orders of magnitude. You're not that far off. <laughs> 
So you can find his channel by going to youtube.com slash Chris Raygun or slash MindFreakCM, which is a leftover from a previous name he used on YouTube. Um, the channel description tab says, Hi, I'm Chris. I record my record myself and edit myself to make you laugh, and it somehow works. And then a bunch of links, you know, old school <laughs> YouTube stuff. Um, so how I would describe his channel, and you guys may agree or disagree, is uh, he's known for social commentary from a comedic standpoint, discussion on the Halo series from all different vantage points over the years, because he does splice those in from time to time, um, producing and co-hosting many podcasts, including Snark Tank and Sacred Symbols, and being a genuinely relatable dude navigating the internet with mostly common sense. Oh, can I, can I add one more thing to that? Go ahead. Um, you're also the only person that I've ever met that's actually smaller than me. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Interesting fact. Hidden Xperia is bigger than Chris. Chris, you got to dispute this one later, maybe. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's see here. So we're going to go to his videos. What's his oldest video? You guys have any guess what his oldest video that still exists on his channel? It's a Halo Ooh. 3 video, isn't it? Oh, is nope. it? oh, no, it's a cover. It's, it's this video of Chris singing Ain't No oh, Rest for the Wicked. Got... <laughs> Look at that! <laughs> that's awesome. Yep, that's from 2010. So we're talking t- over 10 years ago, this was Chris Reagan. And, you know, the camera quality and the audio uh, quality definitely goes right along with this. <laughs> it's got about almost 40,000 views, so people are still watching it. And uh, clearly he's not Im- not too embarrassed by this video because it's still up on his channel. He has privated a lot of old videos, and this is not one of them. Mm-hmm. So, all right. What do you guys think his most popular video is? Oof. I assume it's a I'm... Halo one. <laughs> nope. Oh, it's it's actually it's, oh, the this same song, video. but it's a parody. <laughs> Ain't no rest for the triggered. <laughs> his oldest video and his most popular video are actually technically the same song, but one's a parody. Oh yeah, oh, that's, that's pretty, pretty cool. cool. When oh, I yeah, figured that out, out, when I figured that out, I was like, man, I wonder if that's why his oldest video still exists. Is that one? That would make sense. It's very fitting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this one's almost got five million views. He released it okay. four years ago in, t- in 2016 in May. So, yeah. So, what do you guys like about Chris's channel? This is kind of a general commentary. What are some things you guys really enjoy about Chris's channel? We'll go in order. I'll let Will go first. Well, being as he, unfortunately, he stopped making these parody songs, but I really like these parody songs. Uh, I don't know. I'm a huge fan of songs that like are jokey and have a good beat to them. And it's like it's a proper song, but there's like a, there are jokes in it. Uh, I liked his Halo content. I liked some of his social commentary. Um, I definitely stopped watching him for a while because I thought he was going really political for a while. But I've gone back and watched those videos, and I was like, this is actually really enjoyable. <laughs> I don't know why I stopped watching it. Um, but I don't know. I think his content is just generally entertaining. I like his delivery, and I like how that he does his cuts, and I like the like, style of comedy that he has. So, really, I can watch like any subject. Like him putting on a hat. I don't know why. He has this goofy smile, and that makes me smile. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, he, he, has, he has his audience dialed in, and I, as, I find him very funny. Yeah. How about you, Zang? I actually recently found Chris Reagan, and I started watching a lot of his Halo videos, and I really enjoyed his reaction to the Halo Infinite gameplay reveal, and then I went back later and watched his like reflection on his reaction because, <laughs> uh, like for me, when I when I react to stuff, I'm not thinking critically or logically. I'm just like, oh, this is really cool, or oh, this sucks. And he even addressed that, and so I was kind of like a 
a really relatable guy to watch because he too understands that when you react to something, you're not there to think critically and analyze. You're just there to enjoy it and watch it. And then you go back and mm -hmm. you, you give your thoughts and your deep uh, impressions on it. And it was really cool to see how he transitioned from just reacting to reviewing. And a lot of people don't understand that those are two separate things. And uh, going back and watching those type of videos that he has is really interesting. And I found myself going back and just exploring more of his videos because of it. Because like you said, he does have a really uh, a funny personality and he has his niche down. He knows how to get you to laugh. Yeah. 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 I mean, Chris is a funny dude. Uh, he's very good at what he does. He's good at... Uh... He's good, at, he's good at the way that he phrases certain things and the way that he gets certain points across. Like, even if they're like more serious, he does it in a comedic way and it's still funny. Like, it stays mm -hmm. funny, uh, regardless of what the topic is, whether it's like gaming or political or whatever. Um, I just, Chris is just a good dude. He edit, he edit, his editing style really fits his kind of like content. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> the, se the sex video when I first saw it had me in tears. Um, <laughs> the, the script Chris sent me had like a little like. <laughs> the script that Chris sent me had like a little overlay of what of what Sweeney was gonna do, but when I actually saw him doing it, I was absolutely crying. Um, no, but yeah, Chris he's got good editing. His style of video is really unique. Uh, like you said, he, he's definitely got his niche style, and he knows what kind of con content to make and who for. Um, yeah, just a load more videos, Chris, Christopher, Christoph. And he agrees with Luke that Sprint doesn't belong in Halo, but you know. <laughs> exactly. That's a, that's a real reason me, me and Chris, are, me and Chris get along. That's a real reason, secret, yeah. hidden, dark reason why. <laughs> All right, Mister Zero Zero, what you got? Yeah, so I, I like a lot of his, um, a lot of the Halo, um, the Halo videos. Obviously, um, like his, the, the Make Halo Great Again video was like really, really cool. But going, going back to the, the, the parody music, many, many many moons ago i used to write songs and oh. that's difficult enough writing a song from scratch you know thinking filling out the melody and 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 you know sort of thinking the right lyrics for the song this and the other but to be able to make parody songs that that, that just that fit you're already working with a constraint because you're working as a parody you, you've, you've already got that constraint so it's the, the creativity to be able to produce what he did um within those constraints i have absolute and utmost respect for and he still made it hilarious which is which is <laughs> awesome absolutely all right i guess i'll finish out the thing here i like anybody that could be musical so like when i first discovered chris he was doing some of his music and it, it was more of his rise against covers that he started with that i was listening to because i was really into rise against around the time that he was making the covers which was kind of a weird time to be in a rise against because i don't think they even put out an album the year i started listening to the covers that chris was doing so whatever it was around the time guitar hero was coming out and all that stuff so anyways long story short got into chris's channel early on when he was doing those covers and then when he started covering halo i was like whoa this is even better i am on the right channel for you know for seeing anything like anything that i'm interested in he was interested at the same time well it turns out we're like the same age so that makes a lot of sense <laughs> but i also wasn't doing youtube at the same level he was so turns out you're related lost brothers chris and chris, obviously chris and chris we look exactly the same so yeah. sorry I mean, lost brother the same so. <laughs> wait what <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to repeat it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Oh my god. Hold on. That is I'm gonna <laughs> we'll talk later, Will. Um anyways. <laughs> oh 
one now. Maybe his his, uh, his style of, of uh, comedy just it sits so right with me. And then when he did his make Halo great again video, I was like, this is why I subscribe. This guy is is one of the best YouTubers out there. So yeah, I can relate to everything that he does basically at this point. So. Um, what do you guys think he could work on improving? Obviously, we need some more voiceover from Paul. You know, guy in, guy in the bottom corner of the screen here. <laughs> but what else do we need? More Make videos, videos more often. Yeah. Uh, look at that. Unanimous answer. <laughs> <laughs> on Twitch, he has a... Um, anybody, anytime somebody subscribes or like donates or anything like that, it always goes, Your video's late! Every single time. <laughs> I mean, this he, you got to think about this, though. He puts out two podcasts every single week, sometimes more, on top of doing this production of content, and he streams on Twitch. So, like, either I think he would have to cut back on some of those things to get more videos out more often. And he kind of operates like I do. Like, doing a podcast every week, you can kind of come up with some topics to talk about. But that creativity, that zinger to do something creative is a lot more difficult to get every single week or every single month. And so I can understand from that perspective if you don't have that itch to be creative, sometimes it's hard to just create something. And the worst thing you want to do is force yourself to make something for the sake of making it. Um, mm. That's You want to avoid that. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody creative has had to do that before, and yeah. it is not fun. <laughs> it is not fun. Regardless of what it's about, it ain't fun. Like, we need we need an actual um, hidden Xperia uh, most detailed breakdown of him climbing on Installation Zero Zero channel. So <laughs> here's the tactical climbing gear that Hidden Xperia uses. And <laughs> oh, he doesn't use gear in my intro. He's just climbing. He yeah. Just <laughs> Isn't your intro? <laughs> <hell? It's> awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's a good I'd, I'd, I'd go off on some weird tangent. I'd be like, if you notice the position of his eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> but it could be the angle of the trajectory. It could be really fun to have Chris parody somebody else doing something. Maybe that would be a good idea for him to parody somebody else's video style and just pretend to be somebody else and like go off the rails on doing something else. I, I could see his brand of comedy working really well with that. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to presume to tell him how, how he does it because I like every one of his videos, mm -hmm. but I just want him to make more of them. Gimme, <laughs> <laughs> gimme. <give> <laughs> He does have a vast archive of old videos that I do go back every once in a while and rewatch. Like, this one in particular cracks me up, especially after talking to Luke and recognizing his voice in this video. Like, I, I, the first time I watched it, it, it totally went over my head. And Chris said that's part of the beauty of making this type of video where you can have a cameo with Paul talking. And it could be any of his friends. And you wouldn't mm -hmm. necessarily know who it is right away without knowing who that person is. Yeah, like yeah. there's that one with, guy with a deeper voice. I don't know who that is, but every time he starts talking, you know it's gonna be really dirty. I always, <laughs> I always wait for like the it, like it'll start off normal, but then like at the end, like he's killing him in the alleyway or something. That's <laughs> great. I guess we don't have a whole lot of other things besides hey, upload some more videos, guys. <laughs> yeah, I like how unanimous our answer was all at the same time as well. Perfect. Yep. Maybe I'll even uh, edit in the your video is late soundbite from his Twitch streams. <laughs> so where do you guys see Chris's channel going in the, by the end of the year? Do you think he'll hit 700,000 or are we, are we a long ways off because he's not making videos? Depends if he uploads. Yeah, if he <laughs> uploads, then maybe. I don't know, the algorithm still still could just be pushing him because of the content, the views he's still getting on his older videos. The algorithm could still be pushing him, but yeah, it's, it's not going to push him hard unless more videos. So, you know, mm -hmm. take the hint. 
I, I keep trying to convince him that him and I should do a, a musical parody collab, but you know, he says he's done with the parody, so we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> the, the exact words, Chris. I'm done with you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, Chris, make some more videos. Uh, maybe, maybe some collaborations. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know why I did the finger thing. That doesn't make any sense. But uh, Luke did do a chair roll for you, just for you, for this video, and you know. Almost sacrificed rock climbing for it. <laughs> Imagine if, if he would have got hurt and couldn't rock climb because of that, it would be your fault, Chris. Yeah, we would never get Halo <laughs> Infinite because of you, Chris. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, when I put all that on the line, it's kind of rude of you not to make a video, honestly. So I think you should give us a video, Chris. Yes. Yeah. Just saying. Maybe he'll do a reaction video to this video and be like, guys, you weren't even that critical. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, if that's all you guys got, then uh, we can sign this one off. I'm good. All right, as always, I'm Chris. And I'm Will. I'm Zang. I'm Luke. I'm Zero Zero. And we will see you on next Girlcast. Bye, guys. Hey, Chris, uh, we're going to be reviewing your channel in the near future. Oh, well, give me just give me an F. Just give me a fucking F. <laughs> I haven't uploaded anything. Give me a fucking F. Give me a Z. Fucking fire me from the class. I don't belong there. I don't belong in school. This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. I'm Will. I'm Zang. I'm Luke. And I'm Installation Zero Zero. And this is uh, kind of an extra special video, which is why we have five people covering it today. And uh, one omnipotent speaker and four face cams. Um, <laughs> Voice of the universe. <laughs> so before we get started talking about the Forerunner Saga and Halo Infinite, because um, I just finished reading it, that's why, we're, that, that's why I finally decided to discuss it, because I actually finished reading it recently in the last mm -hmm. two months. Um, <laughs> uh, why don't you guys all introduce your channels? Okay, um, so I do reaction videos to all sorts of stuff, Halo, Star Wars, um, Arrowverse stuff, but I'm also shifting towards uh, doing a lot of Halo videos since those get a lot of positive feedback, so I'm really excited to start shifting to that, doing lore stuff, community stuff, uh, so I'm really excited to see how that goes, but it's basically what I do. Uh, I make Halo videos, like general Halo videos, and when there's nothing to talk about, I choose to make SCP videos as well. Uh, <laughs> so a little bit of... A little bit of spice into the mix, and some of your um, um some you do some of those like cross uh, fighting videos where you like analyzed who would win in yeah. a battle, and uh, mm -hmm. those are kind of cool too. Sorry. Yeah, I need to see more of those. The the versus videos, they they tend to do really well. I've only ever had one not do great. All the others like bang. So maybe mm -hmm. I got to do more of those. <laughs> and I'm in station zero zero. I do Halo lore videos. I'm probably best known for my most detailed series where I go into insane levels of detail on all things Halo. And if anybody's been watching this show for a while, you know that every single person on the show today has been on it before. So I have some links to some older episodes in the pinned comment. Uh, see if you guys want to see interviews with both Installation Zero Zero, Hidden Xperia, and Zanghelios. So today, uh, I'm taking it upon myself to jump right in there. Um, we're doing a Wild Card Wednesday. Will, you want to say that better than I did? Yeah, it's a Wild Card Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to be talking about the Forerunner Saga and Halo Infinite. Uh, kind of the first thing we want to talk about, though, is like, uh, and if you haven't read the Forerunner Saga, it's great. There's probably going to be a lot of spoilers discussed in this video. So if you haven't read it, but you plan to, 
probably skip this one. If yeah, you I feel like it's one of those series you have to read twice to really get it to. Like, there's a lot going on. Yeah. That or once one. really slowly. <laughs> 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 uh, so I just wanted to kind of jump in with what are our thoughts on the Forerunner Saga and Halo Infinite? Like I know you guys have done plenty of videos on what kinds of things we could look, we could pr- really see potentially in there. But what are some quick things you guys want to like just mention? Anything about uh, Forerunner Saga and Halo Infinite, and what are some of the tie-ins you guys see? I mean, there's a big I think one. The obvious, yeah, I think the obvious one is uh, Halo. I mean, we've been begging to go there in the game for years, and it's pretty dope having that confirmed for Infinite. Uh, goes without saying that if you've read the trilogy, you know how significant Zeta Halo was and really still is of a location mm. for Halo. Uh, the amount of things that are connected to it, the amount of ties that it has to, like, at least personally for me, like the coolest parts of Halo's like universe and lore is really, really cool. Uh, I just hope before three tap into that and aren't afraid to go near it because it's really like tricky expanded universe stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, they I, created yeah. that though. I feel like they they should know it and be able to integrate it. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think it's a case of them not knowing it. It's more a case of them being like concerned that they'd put it in the game too much and then new fans who jumped on board with Infinite yeah. or people that don't read the books have like no clue what's going on. But there are definitely ways to still incorporate it whilst appeasing the people who don't read the books. There's, there's definitely ways to do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there, 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 I hope there appears to be an, an explore element to Halo Infinite. Mm-hmm. It'd be kind of cool to go to some, you know, if you, if you go exploring, you can come across some, like, really old places. Say, say for example, where the, uh, the um, Primordial was held within that um, vessel. Find some of that dust. Aged, aged through time, yeah. It'd be cool to go to like a really dark, dank-looking area, and you you go in and you find the capsule that the primordial was in, and just inside it is a pile of dust, and it just kind of yeah. harkens back to that. That just that there's ways they can factor it into the into the mm-hmm. gameplay without without sort of yeah throwing people who aren't as into the um, the peripheral stuff like through a loop. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the obvious one with that is Palace of Pain. Can oh, I yeah. Not yeah. To? oh yeah. I... I've just got two words for the Foreigner Saga. Uh, Foreigner Saga, English is hard. <laughs> Halo Infinite crossover. And those two words are mendicant and bias. <laughs> I had no idea who mendicant bias was until I watched these guys' videos on him down there. And holy... Okay, I'm excited. I'm just going to leave that there. I'm so excited to see Mendicant Bias in Infinite. And I know he's not confirmed, but I'm just super hopeful for it. Yes, me And too. I really yeah. think it'd be a massive missed opportunity for him not to be in there in any way, shape, or form. So It, I'm, it, I'm, I'm it would be, yeah. It'd be insane for them to go to say Halo in a game that is an open-world game that has an emphasis on exploration and not even, like, mention him in an offhand comment. They've got to, like, mm-hmm. I, I honestly, I, I will give this game a 0 out of 10 in my opinion. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I genuinely will do. Like, that, I, I can't imagine them not not at least mentioning him. They've, yeah. they've surely got to. Well, they yeah. just finally pay off the Halo 5 trailer where, you know, Chief is wandering through the desert in his cloak. It can be, like, an anti-Cortana cloak, and he, then he finds <laughs> Minica Bias and Force Sphinx. Perfect. See, I'm as excited by the possibility of meeting offensive bias because we don't yes. know what he's been yeah. doing all this time. Yeah, like we just don't hear what happens to him. He wins the battle at the arc, and it's like that's it. It's like, like um, Faber, like oh not Faber. Um, oh, it's been a long time since I've read it. I said that like, just kind of pats him on the head, and he's like, right, that's it, done now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We just never hear about him again. Like you'd think that he would still be 
technically at the arc, theoretically, considering that's where the battle went took that uh, went went down. You'd think it, he would be at the arc, but at the same time, you never know. I would love to see uh, Chakas return again. You know, bring back our uh, our favorite floating orb. Yeah, our favorite <laughs> light bomb. I want to see him come I, back. Isn't he in like some kind of suit now, though? I don't remember. Yeah, he's, he's in a Namaga now. Yeah. Yeah, he's basically a Promethean. Or he's in a Promethean soldier like robot body, basically. I, I'm. I don't know. I really don't like how much three four three have been slowly eroding Halo 3's ending. Like. First, it was like, oh, we go back to the arc and it's basically not damaged. And then the flood of mm-hmm. okay. And then, then Guilty Sparks is still alive. And like, what's next? Johnson survived? Like, I, I, was, about, I was literally about to say, it's like, oh, so you're, you're completely ruling out Johnson being alive then. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Like, don't get me wrong. John, I think it was about saying that I love Johnson, but like, yeah. if they were to if they were to bring him back and I, I know everyone like kind of jokingly says like oh what if he just emerged out of the smoke randomly and said it's classified <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yes it would be great consider, oh but when you consider like what that means like if, if that happened the entire ending of halo 3 would mean nothing like none of the yeah. plot that are tied up at the end of that game and technically the trilogy as well would mean anything anymore and well, i feel like they've got to kind of draw a line somewhere they've already ended up eroding half of it let's just just cut yeah, I, I definitely appreciate that, but Halo Four existing kind of ruined, or kind of eroded the ending of the Halo Three because you, know, you, you finished a fight in that game, but then not really. And then <laughs> yeah, also yeah. you know, Master Chief is Forerunner, but not really. Now there's this whole other race, and so it kind of I don't know. Well, They've that, already that... kind of eroded it, so they might as well keep going down that path. But again, in in the um in the in the Forerunner saga, there is sort of. It's not outwardly said, but it's hinted towards the fact that humans and foreigner may have a common ancestry. So, mm-hmm. I like your your theory on that. I, I did appreciate that video. It makes sense why they have the mantle of responsibility. So, and why the um, uh, covenant and any other species didn't get it. So, they did share a common ancestor. I mean, I got. I think that I got a, hold on. I got a question, Will. I, it goes along yeah. lines of Luke's Luke's thinking here. What would make you more angry, Johnson coming back? untouched and coming out of the smoke like oh guys i'm back you know with the johnson attitude and all that mm-hmm. or him going the captain keys route and the flood absorbed him and he comes back that oh, way i would be oh uh that's tough because i want both of those things to happen i want the flood to come back and i want johnson to come back <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know i don't know how i'd feel about either one of those scenarios until it happened i mean i, I would have a big goofy smile on my face if he just came out of the smoke because it's like a, it's a callback to Halo 1. I realize it completely destroys that moment uh, when he dies, but I don't know. That's tough. Sorry. Isn't, isn't Johnson immune to uh, uh, oh, getting not, infected by the flood? Not technically immune. I think the best way to describe it right is, if you've seen World War Z, you know the story of World War Z? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, how in that, like, the, the virus, the, the people infected with the virus don't try and infect people who have already got illnesses and diseases, that's at least that's the way that I interpret it with Jonathan and the Flood. It's not that he's immune, it's just that it is a lot harder for the Flood to infect him than it is, like, any other host. So they kind of just don't bother. At least that's the way that it's basically very vaguely, like, talked about. Gotcha. Okay. Glad I didn't go around saying that Johnson was immune to the Flood before this, then. (laughs) 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 So answer the question though like would you be more angry about a captain keys or the flood like slowly deteriorated and pulled him in 
Or would you be more angry if he just kind of showed up out of the blue like, I'm back, guys? I think I'd be more, like, upset that he was part of the Flood at that point just because I was like, they bring back a character that I love only to have him not be himself, like, you know, like another character like Cortana. Um, But, (laughs) uh, yeah, (laughs) I don't know. I think I'd be more upset with the Flood scenario. Yeah, I'm. I know. I'm with you on that. Like, if if they are, if they do bring him back, which they won't, but if they were going to bring him back, at least have him be himself. Don't bring him back and already like ruin that bit, but not have him actually be himself. Like, at least if you're gonna if you're gonna ruin that plot thread, at least make it worth it. You know, don't, <laughs> don't make him some like Captain Key Proto Grove Mind Blob type thing. <laughs> I, I think what they did in Shadows of Reach when they brought back uh, Truth's uh, key ship or at least the ship he used in in Halo 2, beginning of Halo 3, uh, you would think that it would have been destroyed or at the very least infected uh, by the Flood. I guess minor Shadows of Reach spoilers. I don't know if you want to edit something in there uh, (laughs) before we talk about this. But uh, they kind of made it work throughout the novel and all that. They kind of made it tie into a really meaningful way. And I I was, swear to God, I just watched, I just finished Shadows of Reach Tuesday, I think, last Tuesday. So I was actually catching up on everyone else's videos on it, and I didn't realize that that short story they had where they actually go inside Truth's key ship and there's like a whole separate Covenant thing in there. I, I was expecting mm-hmm. the Flood to be in there, not the Covenant. So when I was hearing about like Spikers flying and the Covenant, I was like, okay, but wouldn't it make more sense if the Flood was in there? I mean, they took over High Charity and they all went to the Ark, so I would have figured that the Flood was in there. So yeah, Where I, was I the key it... ship? I don't remember where that landed. It was... It doesn't actually show it in Hitter 3. It says in Sacrifices that it lands in this, um, like, ancient foreigner city on the Ark. I forgot what it was yeah. called. The, the Banish have got a name for it. Uh, yeah, I can't, they, they called it something, but it's like it's basically an ancient foreigner city that it landed in, um, which yeah. the description of that was pretty cool, not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they at least did something meaningful with that and didn't just, you know, retcon anything. Yeah, yeah. That see that that made sense to me though, because we never saw it land. We never saw like any like ships engage it or anything. Like the entirety of the Allied force that went to the Ark were focused on like getting to the getting to the cartographer and then get into the to the Citadel and then stop in truth. None of them really went to destroy the Anodyne Spirit. So it made sense to me that that was still like quite intact. I've got a yeah. I've got a quiet hope that we're going to return to the Ark at some point during the next ten years of Halo. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. I hope, I hope so. Yeah. Honestly, I really hope so. It'd just but... be cool to see, like, even even like have a have a level that's like removed from an area that we're familiar with from Halo Three that you can see from mm-hmm. this new yeah. area. It'd just be like it'd be such, be such an awesome mode to look across and think, wow, wow, we were there like twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that was something I was really hoping they'd do in Halo Wars Two. You know, I think it was the first or second mission. They make a point of mentioning that this debris is here because of what the Master Chief and the UNSC did in twenty five fifty two. I was thinking, like, hang on, are they going to lead us into like a, an, an area where we actually fought in Halo Three, but from like an RTS perspective? Yeah, and yeah. They didn't, and I was uh, that was that was a massive missed opportunity. And mm-hmm. yeah, in an FPS, that'd be dope. I'd be so down for that. So I think we can move on to question number two here. That's the second thing I really had postulated was um, if we if we were to see Mendicant Bias in Halo Infinite, how do you think we're going to see him? And then the second half of that is how would you like to see him come back, come into Halo Infinite? I mean, I, I'm, if I had to make a guesstimate, I'd say that it, I, obviously he he won't be on Zeta Halo. His primary core was buried on the Ark. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, but 
that doesn't mean he can't be in it. Like uh, my my absolute pipe dream is that they bring back Halo Three style terminals, like literally, mm. like copy mm-hmm. and paste Halo Three terminals. No videos, no audio logs, none of that. Literally, just copy and paste the style of Halo Three terminals over to Halo Infinite and have Mendicant bias in those. Like seriously, like I, I do like the video ones, I like the audio logs, they're, they're cool and everything, but none of them will ever be as cool and interesting and unique as Halo Three terminals. And I've made yeah. like. I must have made 10 videos talking about why I want those things in particular to come back. It's way uh, more of a mystery that way. And, and you're actually, yeah. like, you feel like yes. you're peering in on this conversation. Like you're actually like, like a spy or something. Whereas yeah. the videos just show you what's happening. And the creepiest stuff as well was like in those terminals, it was supposed to be in the final one, the legendary one on Halo. It was meant to be a mendicant vice talking in the background of it, supposedly like you can like the, the weird distorted sound mm-hmm. in the, the like kind of audio backing track. If you reverse it, it's meant to be mendicant bias talking. Like that—that stuff's so cool, and you don't get that if you just have a video as a terminal. You—you yep. you lose a lot of that subtlety and like intrigue that you get with the, the textile terminals. And I—that I, to me is the best way to have them in, in the game. I think it would be a bit, a bit too fanservicey and a bit of a cop out if it was just like, oh look, guys, his primary core is actually on Zeta Halo. How coincidental, like, I don't know, I, but, I don't want him to do like that. but what about Cortana? Like, couldn't Cortana go and rescue his primary core? I mean, yeah, I suppose technically she could. That's a good point. I, I, just, do. I feel like I kind of, I've pissed all over, like, sort of Luke's love of the of, of the terminals now, because I, I got a load of voice actors in to recreate all of the Halo 3 terminals. No. I kind of feel like <laughs> I've just... Dude, I was... Dude, I was literally going to say the, the only way that I would probably improve the Halo 3 style terminals would be to have an option for voicing them over. I was literally yeah. just about to say that, so quite the opposite, in fact. You're okay, thank God for that. <laughs> Do you think this like, is something... Don't look at my channel, don't look! <laughs> yeah. Dude, so... as long as you've not made a video saying that Sprint belongs in Halo... No, 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 right. no, no. Chris, idea, we got to make that video. Um, but, so... Do you think that you know, might be able to tie in mendicant bias or offensive bias into the story? Not necessarily like this main story, maybe like the eventual DLC that we're going to get. Uh, and that's how they're going to address taking down Cortana. Because, you, you know, you reach Shadows of Reach, you realize that she's like more of a shadowy figure and she's probably not going to really be in the story, but like the threat of her is there. Yeah. So, I mean, eventually they'll have to address the threat. And you think that maybe like, well, we're going to have a better, we're going to have a better AI at the end because we're going to dig up one of the Forerunner AIs. I mean, it'd yeah, definitely be cool. I would, I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't say no to having mendicant bias in my head. Um, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, go on. Yeah, to, to be, I mean, to be fair, even I know Cortana's a slightly different creature now, but uh, during Halo 2, when she was on High Charity with Chief, Mm-hmm. The single shard of mendicant bias that was inside the anodyne spirit was, a, like, a, in her own words, a formidable AI. Yeah. So if if she was struggling even against a single shard of mendicant bias, then to have like his primary core as like you know I, I don't I don't even know if you can put like a, a foreigner AI onto a, an AI chip and allow Chief to carry it around in his head. Without having like half of a, yeah. a, a yeah. four on a computer hanging off the back of Chief's back, but, um, <laughs> but yes. if you could, surely that would that would that would put Cortana on the on you know sort of back on her heels and think, oh Christ, I might not be able to do this. Yeah, especially yeah. if it is all of a sudden like he remotely takes control of the Guardians. I think that would be a really cool way of ending it is where they dig it up and they just take control of the Guardians and that that's the end of the game for now. Do you know what would be super cool though? Is if when you walk, if you're walking through Zeta Halo, 
and you, and they somehow get you to the area where they they time lapse the primordial into dust. If all of a sudden the chief has a memory as being born stellar, and you see the primordial in the window, and all of a sudden he collapses into dust as like a memory. Cool. I, I think they could definitely do something like that if they had like kind of like pseudo terminals in a way where mm-hmm. you could like I don't know you could like considering there's so much history on this ring you could play back like an event that happened during the Fauna trilogy or something or mm. like maybe if there were video style terminals again like Halo 4s or Combat of World Anniversaries or Halo 2 Anniversaries that showed these actual events happening that would be cool um, I'm, just, I'm just picturing like, a holographic reconstruction yeah all that that would be sick as well that mm-hmm. would be really cool I'm just picturing, like, the Born Stellar memories surfacing as you go through Zeta Halo. Like, he just starts seeing more of Born Stellar. Yeah, and actually pay off, like, the plot lines in Halo 4, so they actually make some sense. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That'd be nice. I was thinking, going back to you guys saying of Mendicant Bias possibly being in Chief's head, and then you, Chris, having the idea of uh, maybe Chief dreaming or a memory, uh, a fragment of a memory of the Primordial. What if, because Mendicant Bias was uh, affected by the Lodge Plague, I don't know if he's still a hundred percent still feeling the effects of that at you know at the time of Halo Infinite, uh, but if he did get put inside of his head and he was still fractured and broken from the Logic Plague, I think it'd be cool to have like um, intertwined memories of Chief and Mendicant Bias coming together because that's a good way to make it make sense because like in Halo Five when Chief's running on that bridge and the Hunter breaks it and then he has like some weird freaking drug trip of Cortana talking about uh, Meridian. It didn't, I was like, what? <laughs> it's so confusing. So I just think that they were going to do that. The likelihood of it happening, I don't know. Maybe not, but I think it's a good way to make it make sense, if that makes sense. So I think, I think we can presume that he doesn't have the logic plague anymore, because, you know, I mean, considering that final terminal in Halo 3 was mendicant, mendicant bias saying, like, he wants to atone for his sins and help humanity. Uh-oh. And I don't. If he was, if he had the logic plate still, I doubt if he wanted to do that. Unless he was playing the biggest game of double bluff. Which, <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm not gonna write off. You never know. Mm-hmm. You never I think know. My camera stopped. At least it's a it's a Broke face that's smiling. that's yeah. a yeah, smile. It's, it's a perpetual a smile. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I really like the idea of them paying off the Halo Four story though, and bringing bringing in Born Stellar as like the memories are coming to the Chief as he's playing as we're playing through Infinite. And that could be a really great way to tie in the Forerunner saga. But I think the next thing we need to really talk about, since I since we were talking about the Primordial and Mendicant Bias, I think we should just kind of talk about the Primordial question I have here. So Installation 00 had a really interesting video about the Primordial and his kind of, um, his kind of uh, theories on it. So I'll just read this out loud, and hopefully it makes sense, because I wrote this a couple couple days ago, a couple weeks, well, a couple days ago, a couple weeks ago. <laughs> It has been highly disputed as to whether the Primordial was truly a precursor or was actually some kind of leftover precursor flood husk type deal. Not truly a precursor, but containing the minds of the precursors. Um, But also Installation 00's theory is that maybe the precursors and the flood are one and the same in like one continuous cycle. Um, So what are your guys' thoughts on that? Um, I would... I mean, it's basically highly suggested in... Uh, both Silentium and Primordium, that the Primordial lies a lot. Uh, like, yeah. it, it used half-truths a lot and, like, interwove them with actual truths to kind of push its agenda, so it, it, it saying that it is the final precursor doesn't necessarily mean that it is. I think, I don't think, unless 243 ever released, like, a new bit of lore or something about the pre, about the Primordial, I don't think we'll ever get a 
for sure yes or no as to whether it or not it was an actual precursor. Okay. My bet was that uh, the way that I saw it was that it technically was the final precursor, but it was also one that was like also, but it was basically the personification of the transformation of the precursors into the flood. It was kind of like the personification of that transformation. It was mm. half and half in a way. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's described in the book is I think the exact wording is the final precursor, the first grave mind or something. Um, that's kind of the way that I saw it. I'm, I'm let zero zero jump in with some of his thoughts, like kind of from his video. Yeah. So the, the the video I made is the idea that the 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 flood, the precursors, and and their belief of the living universe is actually all one and the same thing. So that uh, in a very similar way to like Mass Effect with the Reapers and the fact that they would go through cycles of of harvesting populations, the idea would be that the precursors seed life, um, and since the precursors belief. Um, is that the all things experienced by life, both good and evil, are just sweetness. Basically, it's just a, an additional experience for the universe to enjoy. Um, then the idea would be that the the flood are kind of the next stage of that cycle. The flood come and consume um, all of the life in the galaxy, um, and that feeds back into the living universe and almost gives the living universe sustenance, so to speak. And then the precursors mm-hmm. return and seed life once more. I, I actually, yeah, I like that theory. I think I used to talk about theory a while ago, actually, or something kind of similar to it, um, definitely a lot less fleshed out, that, like, the precursors, in a way, still exist and still govern the galaxy, and they seed the galaxy in, like, this perpetual cycle. They seed the galaxy, have a bunch of species, like, advance through the, civil, through the like, uh, technological tiers and everything, become civilized and advance as a species, and then they kind of unleash the flood in them, see how they fare, see if any of them survive, and then if none of them survive, they basically just restart it from scratch, so they make more species, they then send the flood on them again, until they find one that can actually beat it. Uh, I I always liked that idea, that it was like we were just one instance of one of the many cycles that the the galaxy's been through, and that the universe has been through, and that if we lose the flood, it's like, okay, well, the board gets wiped clean, and they start so, again. They make new species. You know, as far as, like, the why would they do that? Is it because they actually don't know how to beat the flood either? And they're just trying to find, they're trying to test species to figure out like a way of defeating it. I realize that's not backed up with any of the novels, but. <laughs> the, well, the way I saw it is that, like, like Innovation Zero Zero is saying, it's like it gives the galaxy sweetness. It like it essentially just gives the galaxy something to kind of entertain it in a way, because obviously, precursor neural physics basically posits that everything is living. And mm-hmm. by that extension, I always presume that because something is living, it can feel emotions so it can enjoy something. Mm. So, in a way, like the galaxy can enjoy. The experience of having everything in it being consumed as weird as that sounds um that, that's kind of the way that i saw it and it was a way for them to like both find uh, both kind of create the perfect species that could actually beat like the flood the ultimate threat and also feed the galaxy so to speak we're getting kind of like scp here by feeding the galaxy but, <laughs> like, yeah. it, it, you know you know what i mean that sort of, that sort of thing so i'm not gonna lie i kind of had the thought process that the primordial being the last precursor being a being a, a husk of what the precursors were um that it's described in the book as being like pieces of many species of of uh you know, like many different animal species you know uh forerunner pieces or like just all kinds of different stuff was built into this creature right tons of arms and ligaments and legs and stuff it's like for it to be a precursor and also be what it is it just seems kind of <laughs> 
degraded, like significantly degraded, if it were a precursor, because it, it is combined with the flood. Well, so the precursors, it, the precursors didn't, didn't have just one form, did they? they no, that's I true. Think, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's posited somewhere that they were, yeah, they were formless. They could change their their shape and their form and their physiology at will. So, um, yeah, yeah to, to having an amalgamation of, of different, so to speak, precursor forms would would uh, kind of work with what was described. That's a good point. I wasn't thinking about it that way. The more I th- I'm not going to pretend to know a lot about the primordial and try and uh, act like I do. I, I the more and more I sit here and hear you guys talk about, the more and more I get terrified of them. Uh, <laughs> I, I always thought the, the primordial was just. Uh, uh, the first precursor flood, and then you're talking about how precursors had different forms, and I'm just sitting here like, huh, I thought I knew a lot about Halo. <laughs> it's, it's really, uh, it's like, half of this, this is awesome. I, I, it's just, just keep going. I'm enjoying this. Just keep going. <laughs> you know, I mean, the precursors are like the perfect Lovecraftian being, like, they are mm. literally anything they kind of want to be, as, like, weak or powerful as they want. Uh, theoretically they come i mean the, re- the the reason or at least a lot of the rumors as to why they let the foreigners wipe them out was they were literally just like like just baffled by the fact that one of their creations thought they were strong enough to do that so they let them do it to see what would happen it's <laughs> like they are that powerful they'll allow a species to wipe them out just because they're interested to see how they do it it's certainly yeah. odd jesus <laughs> christ <laughs> okay so... i have very different hobbies but okay <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if my kids ever watch this, don't try it on me. <laughs> uh, so the thing that I found most intriguing, though, is is given that we have the born stellar relation to the chief, and we have the ring the primordial was destroyed on. We have the well, allegedly destroyed. We'll, we'll see if anything comes up out of three four three's back pocket. But um, and then we have the place where mendicant and bias and the palace of pain. All this stuff in the forerunner saga, the forerunner saga trilogy could physically be there in some kind of a locked, you know, uh, the imprint. I can't remember the exact name, and my brain is not working right now. Gayish. Um, that's right, yeah. It could be in there, and he could see all of these things. So if they were to put all these memories in there, and the primordial secrets and all that stuff could actually be unveiled somehow, how would you want that to unfold? How would you want 343 to give us the rest of the answer to the primordial? Or wouldn't I mean, you? It, it is... It is never confirmed if Chief has Born Stellar's Gaesh or not. It's unless I'm missing something completely. It's never confirmed. There are I a thought lot of it parallels was. Drawn. No, it's highly no. like you know. it's assumed. It's, okay, okay. Yeah, it's, well, I thought it was. That's like one of those. It's like the Halo theory. Like I've been hearing about this theory for God knows how long now. Like Chief has the has Born Stellar's imprint. It's like the theory for Halo. I guess it's um, just been like locked into my brain now. That that's it. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the, the the ramifications of that being true would definitely be cool. There'd be a lot of cool stuff that could happen. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it they could if they wanted to retroactively kind of bend that librarian cutscene in Halo Four. I suppose they could kind of bend it so that she was activating the gayish in him, kind of. I, mm-hmm. It gets it gets quite finicky because the law for like gayishes and stuff and imprints is still very underdeveloped, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, whether or not they could be activated at will is kind of something that yeah. we don't know. Get on it, Luke. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe. You know, you never know. It's, it's one of those things that we, we don't know for sure, though, and we won't know for sure until 343 choose to do something about that. Um, but, 
yeah the i mean the ramifications about if true would be cool uh i feel like it would be a little bit cheap though to make it so like oh look it just so happens that chief has uh the, the best soldier in humanity has the imprint of one of the most important things from the foreigners <laughs> i think it would end up being a bit like oh and he was this all along kind of thing if you know what i mean like mm. i'm not I, I don't like it when when stories pull that without any evidence like uh, for example, but this is kind of off topic. I don't want to take it too off topic, but um, in the Call of Duty Zombies universe, they did that um, at the end of Black Ops 3, and it really rubbed me yeah. the wrong way. It was like, yeah, it was like all this stuff that you've seen throughout the entire like the entire story from World at War to BO3. Yep, it wasn't who you thought that made it. It was this character that we got that we introduced two maps ago that made all of it. You'd never heard of him before, but he made all of it. And it's like, no, because that wasn't the case. That was never the case. And I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't. I don't know, I'd feel kind of weird if they did it with Chief. Um, not that there haven't been hints towards it, because there have been the odd mm. hint, but I, I, I don't know, it, it doesn't really sit right with me. I, I, I like Chief being his own thing and Bornsfella being his own thing, and the Just, parallels between yeah. them being purely coincidental, but kind of narratively impactful in how coincidental, coincidental they are, uh, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Like I, I think of that shot from uh, Origins in Halo Legends when Bornsfella activates the array, the way that he stands in front of the control panel is the exact same way that Chief stands in front of it in Halo 3. And I, I, li I like the significant parallels and similarities being drawn there. I think it would weaken that if they made it so that was intentional, not just a coincidental similarity. Yeah. But that would also explain all the conversations that were had between him and, and uh, you know, the Reclaimer and all that. I don't know. It just makes a lot of sense in my mind. I get what you're saying about it cheapening kind of the experience that you're talking about. But at the same time, would it really, though? I mean, you could add so much to the story in Zeta Halo if you had that gayish on Master Chief. I think if they were to do that, it can't be in the main story because everyone would be lost again. So it, would have to be, it would have to be something where you're exploring. Like I think the, you know, pardon the pun, but the exploration opportunities are infinite. And you can just go and find these little things where it's like, oh yeah, Master Chief is born stellar. But you you wouldn't only find that if you actually go and explore the world, and it doesn't take away from whatever you're doing in the main story. Well, that's what I'm saying. You could like pop in and, and like all of a sudden you see the the primordial turn into dust, like those kinds of things, like, like hints, yeah. hints at it. Yeah. I mean, the, the the primary the primary motivation behind the the whole Chief born stellar theory. Um, really stems back to those few lines that Guilty Spark says to Chief during yes. two betrayals. Um, you know, saying, you, well, you already knew that, how couldn't you? Last time you asked me, you know, that 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 whole dialogue that they were having. Um, and really, aside from that, the only other hints that have been suggested or made to it have been, um, so again, 343 Guilty Spark calling him Reclaimer, or, you know, you are Forerunner, but this ring mm -hmm. is mine, you know, and... and and the, aside from that, it's the grave mind, and he only just he only calls him child of my enemy. So, yep. it, 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 while there are there, there is some significant moments in some of that that could be extrapolated, and you think, oh, okay, yeah, that that's that's pointing to Chief, perhaps carrying the the gay ash of um, Born Stella. It's it's still loose enough to mean that it could just literally be through coincidence. Um, but that's not to that's not to discredit the idea that you know we should be able to experience some of these pinnacle moments like you're seeing on screen there with the the video. That's that's actually um, uh, some artwork that was um, that was made by a guy called um, I think Rythes. I think yeah. I pronounced that right. Um, but uh, that that moment of having Born Stella 
effectively interrogate the precursor i'm i'm all for being in halo infinite going to a really obscure place in the middle of nowhere you know take some trekking to get there um and and you go through kind of I saw almost like a flashback. I mean, it's it's a possibility. Obviously, with the the cutscene in Halo Five, that Chief's got a tenuous connection with the domain now. So, in theory, there could be like almost kind of a yeah, like a, almost a telepathic kind of reliving of a moment in time that could take place. I, I'm all for something like that happening. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. I kind of forgot about that. In that, like his his mind, in a way, is kind of linked to the domain now, and his his being is linked so they could they could do that i suppose if the domain kind of replayed like these events to him that could work for sure what scene does he have a connection to the domain in in halo 5 right right at that scene where he where the hunter it's on um uh i forgot the level now when he sees cortana yeah 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 yeah, that's it yeah yeah so he the hunter cut bursts through the door bashes the um the bridge he falls down and then he goes into this weird kind of yeah esoteric realm. All right, so this and, is my point though. This has to be part of like the side missions because like I was so confused during that scene. I had no idea that he was supposed to be like having a connection to the domain. So like is I this don't the want scene them... you're talking about. No, it's before no. the start of that clip. Start, oh, of, that start clip. of that clip. Um, uh, yeah, start of that video. It's when uh, right there. there you go. Yeah, that one, it. There you go. Yeah. The so that that scene there is is effectively it's it's heavily implied that that's happening within the domain so to speak or an, or, or, or a, an aspect of the domain or the domain is creating this environment in chief's head hence why you can see him fall to the knee and then it cuts away unceremoniously that's great <laughs> um, yeah yeah there's, uh, there's he falls to the knee and then he suddenly comes to and he's still he's still just on the floor with blue team around him asking him if he's okay and he's at this weird kind of blackout moment um we could have something like that explored in halo infinite and then at least that ties together the, the, that little thread of narrative that like the librarian did something to him in mm-hmm. Halo 4 which unlocked something and I was I was pumped and ready for Chief to be like a, like to come out of that and be like an unstoppable badass I mean he is anyway but yeah. more so even more. and then and then nothing happened other than him being mildly immune to the, the the composer then in Halo 5 you get that little scene where he has this kind of like brief discord with the discourse with the um with the the domain and then in Halo Infinite you could have him you know the domain almost reaching out to him again and, and dropping him little bits of information about things that happened in the past just as kind of side that that would that would thread and uh, thread that narrative together quite nicely i think yes i agree so other than uh what we've already discussed with the potential for seeing the palaces of pain the primordial the mendicant bias potential tie-in with some terminals all those good things we've already talked about um what do you guys think the chances are of return of the flood occurring? You know, maybe we see some proto grave mines, some captive ones. What do you guys think? I, uh, I think a from a gameplay standpoint, throwing the flood in there would be an absolute uh, game changer in terms of three four three's gameplay. Cause we haven't had the flood so far in three four three's games, excluding um, Halo Wars two, of course. But uh, I mean, just from a lore perspective as well, between the Palace of Pain, Installation 07 being a inst- uh, research facility uh, to recreate life and all that, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, I mean, the Flood is on Installation 07, there's no doubt about that, it's just a debate as to whether they've already been released, or if they're still there, if they've been moved, that's just, they're there, they were there, and unless we don't know something, yeah. they should still be there. I think I it would be it. cool, uh, just real quick, that you could go through the whole game without ever seeing the flood. 
but then if you again if you explore you could accidentally release it and infest the entire ring and then completely change the outcome of the game I don't know if they did do that. That's way too ambitious, but I, that would be amazing. <laughs> that, would be, that is a really cool idea. I'd be I, very do, I do find it kind of interestingly coincidental, so to speak, that they've said that Halo Infinite is supposed to be now the platform for the next 10 years mm -hmm. of Halo. And there just so happens to be 10 proto-grave mines in stasis <laughs> pods on, Z, on um, Zeta Halo. So it's... I, I, don't, I don't want to necessarily put too much stock in, the, in, in this possibility, but if... If Halo Infinite's going to be open world, could there in theory be an aspect of it that's kind of world events almost? And then they could have almost a yearly, maybe not yearly, but, you know, they could release, like have a flood infestation sort of break out, you know, semi-regularly that needs to be dealt with by the community. That'd be cool. Kind of like yeah. the creepers in Minecraft. Oh no, the flood's out. <laughs> <laughs> it would be cool. Like a like a world event, kind of like how they do um like the big events in Destiny and stuff, where like mm, when they pull mm -hmm. the Almighty down, something <clears> like that would be really cool. I really hope they tap into that kind of sort of style of content for a, a live service game, because especially with an open world game like Infinite, it would it would work really well. I think. Do you imagine if like halfway through the game you're fighting the Banished, and then all of a sudden the Flood take on the Banished, and now you're fighting the Banished as Flood? Yeah, that would be dope. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it effectively, could make it so, like, areas of, you know, maybe that's part of the reason that, that Zeta Halo is breaking apart. They're like, they're like different sections, so to speak, of Zeta Halo, and they become infected, so they become like burn areas that you're, that, that it's, a, it's dangerous to go to. But if you want to go there for almost kind of a, a like a dungeon style, you know, mission to get some extra mm -hmm. XP or whatever, you could, you could go across to one of these, these burn areas and try to fight back the, um, the infestation until going into a burn. enough work. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be yeah. really cool. I'm just picturing the library. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. no. Again. The funny thing is, like, as an adult, that, that level is not very hard. But, man, when I first played that, that was torture. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on Legendary, I, I they're all kind of hard. But, you know, not not as bad as uh, they could mm -hmm. be, I guess. I think that the whole idea of having a live service or... I mean, at least world events really depends on Halo Infinite's multiplayer, which we still know nothing about. Um, it's just, is it going to have any PVE in it? Because doing a campaign thing, uh, I know they said it's going to be four-player online, uh, and they'll have split screen too, but if they do a world uh, service or a world um, event or something, I guess is the best way to put it, I just, how would they do that? Would they do it in multiplayer? Would they do it in campaign? Uh, they would have to continually yeah. update voice lines and get Steve Downs to voice if he's still around then, um, or Chief's still around then. Might not necessarily might not. Yeah, I was about to say it might not necessarily have to be a campaign aspect. It could be multiplayer. I mean, um, it seems pretty academic now that um, the Spartan, your Spartan Four model, so to speak, or Spartan Four character, is now outfitted with Gen Three because that's the 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 armor that they've been showing us and showcasing for us. Mm -hmm. um, so it could even be that there's yeah there's you know, sort of the the, the quote-unquote lore of it is that there's a you know sort of a, a division of spartan fours on zeta halo and their responsibility is to contain almost like a kind of a, a like a uh, almost spartan ops so yeah. to speak spartan ops revisited i i think that they are going to lean that way and i'm very excited oh uh, yeah i wouldn't be surprised if after you finish the main campaign of the open world you then enter the open world again 
as like a Spartan Ox type thing, playing as your like Gen three mark, uh, Gen three Spartan four. I think that that would that seems like the most obvious approach right now for mm-hmm. them to go. Yeah, especially after designing this big open world and open environment. I mean, I know nothing about game designing. I don't know if I, I just see creating this big marvelous world that I, I really hope we all fall in love with. It'd be kind of a waste to just have it single player and then you're just stuck going on a really small three lane map on multiplayer yeah. when why not have take that up you already have that asset there mm-hmm. yeah multiplayer have like at least a hub or um kind of like uh what a lot of games you know like <laughs> destiny you have like that social area something like that at just least. just have a firefight have a firefight in the beginning all right your firefight is essentially pre-campaign where the humans are losing to the banished right you could literally just have the firefight with the the pre master chief portion of the campaign as that place where you introduce flood like like flood forms you introduce the banish whatever cuz you don't have to really explain any of that necessarily you know what i mean it's uh, just yes, the humans do, losing three. now there's lore behind red versus blue i don't understand <laughs> wait <why>. what <laughs> did i lose yeah, there's a reason there's a reason why they're fighting and it's like i remember when they made such a big deal about about that in halo 4 and i was like why <laughs> i don't care <laughs> wait was that in the the map description or something? Or no, they've always had map descriptions, but like the reason they're fighting is because war games, so you can go. Oh, dude, simulation. yeah. And I, so that's, God, I hate that explanation so much. It's just like it was one of those things where it's like you just didn't need to do that. No, <laughs> just leave it. Just like, no leave one, it. no one asked for that. But the thing is, then okay, so it's all simulation. Great. Then why am I not fighting any brutes or yeah. any of the other things introduced? Like, why am I not fighting the flood? That should be in the war games. That would be something that we'd need to know. <laughs> yeah. I cringe to this day every time I hear Palmer go, Welcome to War Zone, Spartan. I'm like, why? <laughs> why? Yeah. Why you have to say that? I will say I do like War Zone a lot. I know it's super glitchy and terrible, and I, I saw this terrible pop-in yesterday where like the, the uh, Phantom just like suddenly gets bigger. <laughs> what? That looks so bad. Oh, yeah. 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 They Instead didn't, of like, they didn't flying in. behind like, buildings now, they just go, whoop. Yep, they just go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like this is so stupid, but it still plays well. I like it. All right, uh, any last thoughts on the flood being on uh, in Halo Infinite? Anything else you guys want to say? I hope they do it, but I hope to do it in a, a way that doesn't piss everybody off. They they need yeah. to take some they need to take some cues from Halo CE and the way that the flood was revealed in that. If they're going to reveal the flood in in um, in Halo Infinite on Zeta Halo, it needs to don't put it on any of the box art. Mm-hmm. Don't tell us yeah. about it ahead of time. Don't give us trailers. Don't do anything like that. Just let us come across it in a really yep. creepy, ethereal way. Yep. I do feel like games nowadays suffer so much from just being spoiled in trailers. Like mm-hmm. so many games just have like their big, the big turning point, kind of just like at least hint at that or spoiled in trailers, and it sucks. Like I wish we could go back to games being like CE. Or like Halo 2, where it's like in Halo CE, you had no idea about the Flood. In Halo 2, you had no idea about the Arbiter. I, I, I wish we could go back to that, because so many games now have like big plot points in the, in the trailer to try and pull you in. Like, no, I want to experience that for myself. I don't mm-hmm. want to watch a trailer with some dub stuff in the background or something to find out about it. You know, I want to play it. Yeah, that's what makes games so memorable, too. I, I played Halo 2 for the first time in 2015, right after MCC came out, like a year after it came out. I still didn't know you got to play as the Arbiter. And I was like, wait, what? And that's been spoiled for me. Takes away from the experience. Or imagine if you watched Avengers Endgame and you, you were spoiled about Tony dying or something. It ruins it for you. It, Tony dies. Wait, wait yeah, I know. Wait, what? 
Yeah, you're, you're so right. Like the the Halo Two thing with the Arbiter, I, I actually was kind of upset when I when I get first got that level back in 2004, whenever it came out. I was like, what the hell is this? I'm not playing as Master Chief. Um, but I was I'm replaying that game with my wife right now, and uh, when we you know you first like ignite the uh, energy sword, uh, she was really excited to be like, oh, I get to play as the as the alien this time. Of course, she's super confused. Like everyone's an alien that level. Who do I shoot? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it was good. So, what do you guys think the chances are we get some more librarian-esque stuff in Halo Infinite? Continuation that we didn't have in Halo 5. I hope so, because I still don't know what happened in Halo 4. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you ask me, not very not very likely. Um, yeah, probably I think The librarian is one of, those, one of those characters that, to me, is kind of like the personification of Halo 4 and Halo 5, and what people 3 seem to want to kind of move away from and course correct from i don't see them bringing the librarian back really it's i i think that the, she'll probably be in the game in some capacity there'll be like a, a terminal or like uh mm-hmm. like there'll be some sort of easter egg that'll talk about her but i wouldn't expect it to be like in halo 4 or in spartan ops or escalation or anything like that I'd, where she's like you actually see her imprint and you interact with her imprint i, I don't think i i don't think we're going to get anything like that if i recall the only imprint of the librarian that now exists was briefly on um, was briefly on Earth, um, and then I'm sure she had a conversation with with three fourth well Ch- Chuck us technically um, as as his sort of armiger form, and then didn't she leave for didn't she leave for the Ark for Installation Zero Zero? I've not actually read. Uh, okay, well I'll, sh- so... I'll shut up. I know, no, no, dude. <laughs> I'm not bothered. I, I don't mind. Um, I, I know. I know that obviously she died on Earth, the base of Mount Kilimanjaro. So I would assume that she would have an imprint there. Yeah. Uh, that would make sense to me, um, especially given how significant Kilimanjaro is in Halo. Uh, mm-hmm. That would be a good place for her to have an imprint. Um, but I, she had one on, on Requiem, obviously. Uh, I might be misremembering, but did she have one in the Absolute Record? Or am I misremembering? I th- I think the one in the absolute record may that that one may have actually gone to. I'm trying to remember the book now. It might have. I don't know if it went if that particular like, so to speak, fragment of her went to Mount Kilimanjaro or whether there was already a fragment of her there. I can't okay. recall exactly, but. I might be wrong. I mean, that's that's escalation. It's been a long time since I read escalation. Um, mm. But I, yeah, I guess in that. my head I'm just seeing like if somehow they bring the li- the Bornstiller connection in, then the librarian would make sense to also be there to explain it somehow. As a terminal, yeah, I don't, I don't think her character will be there. Nah, that could get very very expository if they had if they brought her back. <laughs> Another I mean, fifteen minute. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, people already called the character an expository source in Halo yeah. 4 because of that cutscene. Like, if she came back and explained that, I feel like it'd be. I almost worse. hope I like... that it happens now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, you, it would be kind of joke to see the reaction yeah. to it. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, and she like at the end of it just slowly turns to the camera and smirks. <laughs> <laughs> Winks at the camera. Yeah, breaking that fourth wall, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I'll react to that for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Like what? Right, so this is completely unrelated, okay. but so there are like three Halo rings now, and I'm sure you guys have made videos on this. But there's the one at the end of Halo Wars 2. There's the one at the Halo 5 Legendary Ending, and now there's Zeta Halo. Wait, 
are they going to tie up that those storylines? Like, is it all the same? It's obviously not the same ring. There's at least two, but is it, are there three different rings now that are important, or are there just two? I say two. Uh, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I mean, I I I just want to say I I'm, I'm every time this comes up, I'm gonna blow my own horn. I called that ring at the end of Halo Five being Zeta Halo in November 2015. I called it five years ago, and I'm proud of that. Right? I'm I'm proud of that. Uh, but no, I'm pretty sure that's that's Zeta Halo. I'm, I I I can't see them hinting at a Halo ring in a, in, a, in a legendary ending, and then not having us go to that ring but a different ring in the next game. It makes sense to me. I'm kind of glad so, you asked that. Both. Yeah. What are they gonna do with the Halo Wars Two ring then? Halo Wars just Three. Like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we can hope. Yeah, well, she has no army with her, though. It's just, like, it's just Anders, right? Yeah. Halo Wars 3 is going to tie up the Cortana storyline and that other ring. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Can you imagine, though, like, Cortana's the bad guy in Halo Wars 3? (laughs) They're like, oh, we're just not going to worry about her in Halo Infinite. (laughs) (laughs) I just watched Halo Wars 2 for the first time a week and a half ago, and I wouldn't the Halo ring at the end of Halo Wars 2 technically be Installation 04C, because it's a replacement mm-hmm. for a replacement for Installation yes. 04. Yeah. So, yeah. it would just be 4C. Yeah. Technically, yeah. it's 09, but I prefer 4C. 04C sounds better than 09. Um, yeah. Yeah, the thing is, like, Cortana has that ring, so is there going to be, like, a thing where we have a ring battle? Or like they're fighting with the rings or something. <laughs> Just like fly <laughs> into each other. Yeah, exactly. Or, I don't know. That would look ridiculous, but you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like I don't know. I feel like that was really just meant to show her gaining complete control of the galaxy. It was meant to show like how far her her reach is across the galaxy. How how much of a stronger hold she has over it now. Um, I yeah. I I, I don't know. I. It, it would be kind of weird, I guess, if they brought in a second ring in Infinite. I wouldn't be against it. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't be against it. It would be very cool to be on a Halo ring and see another Halo ring in the sky. That would be really cool. Uh, that would make for a very cool sandbox, actually. But I, I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Hmm. Anything else you guys want to add to that? I'm None. good. I'm good. Know. Just upset that I don't know anything about this game yet. all right last question i'm gonna skip the next one because we already kind of discussed six a lot Mm -hmm. seven is there any particular location from the forerunner saga that you would either be extremely excited to see disappointed or or otherwise i think we kind of covered this like the palace of pain and where the primordial was and and places like that but i'm saying if they just did not have that like if if there's one particular thing from the foreigner saga that they just didn't have like somehow same same answer (laughs) yeah it it would be a crying shame if the palace of pain wasn't even referenced in it you've you've got to i think it would also be really cool to go to initiation 07's control room as well because the control room for that ring seeing as it was obviously one of the is it is it sen- the old the older ray was senescent, right? I always get the two. Yeah, yeah, senescent. Yeah, senescent. Sorry, senescent. Yeah, whatever. Considering it was one of the senescent rings, it had like a really big control room. The control, the part of the control room, like sticks out from the the ring. You can see it from orbit. It would be kind of cool to take some chronic elevator right to the top of that and be able to see like both the ring, the edge of the ring, and into space or something. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then another thing that I think would be kind of cool to go to as well, I don't think it will do, it's really minor, but 
you know that camp that Gamalpar and uh, yeah. all the ancient human, all yeah. the pre-star human, yeah. it, it would be very cool to go to that and see like a like an essence of Gamalpar or something where he where he died. Yeah, kind of cool. that'd be cool. Yeah, I, I uh, th there's a rumor that Halo Infinite might take place on Reach, uh, for at least the first mission. I don't know if that's actually going to happen. I don't know if they'd be willing to design a whole uh level just for um one small section of the game. But if they did, I would like to see that base that uh, uh, Blue Team raided in Shadows of Reach, or at least uh, where all the uh, uh, survivors of Reach were. Because in the book, it talks about going all the uh, under the uh, glass and these channels and rivers and stuff that are no longer there. I think it'd be cool to see something like that in a game, because we haven't mm -hmm. seen anything like that before. But the likelihood of that happening is very slim to none. But that's still something I think that would be a really cool way to pay off nostalgia and a story beat so yeah or a storyline so i think that'd be really neat i could definitely see him doing like a flashback mission on reach or something to honestly yeah. it would be really cool to do like a flashback mission to reach where they go into castle base and get the get the assets and again spoilers for shadows of reach here but actually show us what the assets were i mean we kind of knew yeah. but actually show us in game what they were because we still technically don't know what they were Mm -hmm. um, especially that thing in the lockbox from Sword Beast. God knows what that is. It's a uh, Menica bias. What do you guys think? I know it's an off topic question, but what do you guys think they are? Because when I finished reading the book, I was like, I figured they'd reveal that in Infinite, because I always looked at Shadows of Reach as like the Star Wars Rogue One of Halo. Uh, it's kind of like the Death Star plans, and then in Halo Infinite, it's just a new hope. You know, you're going straight for it. Uh, you don't have that backstory yet unless you read Shadows of Reach. I don't know if that makes sense, but. Yeah, uh, okay. I don't know what you guys thought was in that that those assets were because I figured it was maybe another Cortana or a part of her. But the, the three things from the from the vats were brain samples of a horse's brain. Um, I'm pretty sure because it said in was it uh, station you've done loads of videos about uh, horses uh, journal. It was in it was in a journal, wasn't it? Where she let she had notes about the brain samples that she'd left on ice in the castle base. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. Of her own sure brain? Yeah, she yeah. made, made yeah. really unethically, she made seven clones of herself. Oh my gosh, um, I didn't realize that. that. <laughs> they, 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 were, they were effectively, they were, they were designed to be literally just, just to grow the brain, so the body around it was like negligible, so to speak. Um, but the, the whole purpose was to have, yeah, effectively seven viable living brains that she could then use to create um, an AI from, so that, hence Cortana being the only AI in existence that was created from living brain matter. Um, but she used, I think a few of them were unviable. Um, she used one for Cortana. I think she used one for Kamala, which is basically Cortana's like older sister. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, effectively she had a, a few left over that she didn't get round to using. Um, so yeah, the, uh, the, the, it's pretty academic that those, the, 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 the things that, yeah, that blue team went to recover were, the um the remaining brains so to speak but then there's that okay. thing in the lockbox from sword base that honestly i i could not guess even remotely what that is and they yeah, didn't, I... didn't even hint at anything either that, I... honestly i reckon that's something that that must be something that's not actually like that's not actually in the canon officially yet yeah. I, I i genuinely cannot think what they would have taken from sword base there's nothing that i can think of from reach or i mean for obviously fall of reach didn't even have Solid base in it. That wasn't wasn't a thing to reach, um, but like there's there's nothing I can think of that that mm -hmm. we would know of that would be in that box. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I've I've skimmed through her, her journal over and over to try to figure out perhaps if there's something I've missed. I even I even looked up like the, the torn out pages to try to figure out maybe if there's yeah. something there, but no, no, I, I I can't possibly even begin to guess what was what was in that box. Interesting. Many goodbyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's somehow somehow he's there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Will Will has confirmed because Will yeah, knows no, yeah. everything. That exactly. it is mendicant bias. Well, here's boxes. something I don't know, and I would like for them to finally explain, maybe in this game, in a side mission or something, but that random ship, that ship that landed on... Um, yeah. This is no 04. Yeah. I want to know that. I, I have been thinking it? about that for six freaking years now. <laughs> <laughs> or what how... are we talking about? It's the one that lands in Halo. Oh, it's in, um, technically in... um, CE, right? Yeah, in yeah, Halo C, the terminal shows uh, a, a ship that crash lands on um, on in Station Zero Four. Oh, after they okay. after they fired the array, but before Chief arrived, and like the atmosphere matched the matched in Station Zero Four exactly, and this that and the mm-hmm. other. But there was the design doesn't match Ancient Human or Covenant or Forerunner, so yeah, it's it's just a, an oddity. The meddlers. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't take credit for that. That's all Chris Aiken of, Halo, of Halopedia. It's all he's doing. <laughs> it was the uh, it was the last remaining people from the Marathon trilogy crash landed in Halo. Bias. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, as as Will would say, it was, yeah, everything exactly. was mendicant bias. If it if it doesn't have an explanation, mendicant bias. Anyways, bias. <laughs> so if there's nothing else, then uh, we can. Call it a day and go review Chris Raygun next. Yeah, I'm good. Yep. As always, I'm Chris. And I'm Will. I'm Zang. I'm Luke. I'm Zero Zero. And we will see you on next Krillcast. Bye, guys. This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. And I think I scared Will with my clap there. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Zeng. And uh, Zeng's been on the podcast before, but we have kind of an extra special week here, and this is our Thursday episode. Um, And before we get into Xenoblade Chronicles X, uh, which I originally thought was Xenoblade Chronicles 10 for some reason when they first released this, but iPhone 10, Xenoblade Chronicles 10. 10. It is 10. It's the 10th one. (laughs) Why didn't we have uh, Zeng Helios tell everybody about his channel? Okay, so um, I do a lot of reaction videos. I'm starting to shift more towards Halo videos, but uh, yeah, mainly I do reaction videos to all sorts of stuff. I uh, uploaded an Umbrella Academy uh, reaction last night. I'm working on The Boys, Clone Wars, Mandalorian, so just a lot of reactions in general to all sorts of nerdy, uh, cool stuff, (laughs) but yeah, with Halo thrown in, because why not? Yeah, oh, and, uh, yeah. If you guys have not subscribed yet, he's at seven ninety nine. At least at the time we're recording this video, mm-hmm. hopefully he's at like a thousand when we actually have this video released. But you know, if he's just still at seven ninety nine somehow, be number eight hundred. Make that happen for him. All right, do it. So today for throw the throw the throwback Thursday, um, we're going to be covering Xenoblade Chronicles, which was made by Monolith Soft, which will just inform me also did what. Uh, they have with Breath of the Wild, which is why I want to play this game, because apparently the open world is very similar. 
It is kind of. Uh, I'll give you that. It is kind of similar. It's more similar, I think, to Xenoblade Chronicles 2, which is also developed by this developer. Anyways, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you guys a quick rundown on uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X, and then we'll talk about it. So, Xenoblade Chronicles X is an open-world action role-playing game developed by Monolith Soft and published by Nintendo for the Wii U home video game console in 2015. That's December 4th, 2015 in North America, which is why we're covering this on the week mm-hmm. uh, that would be its five-year anniversary. Xenoblade oh. Chronicles X forms part of the Xeno meta series, being a spiritual successor to Xenoblade Chronicles without any narrative connections. And allegedly, there's a few things that you could kind of throw in there, but I, I, I know a little more than a lot of other people do about that background of the universe, so that's fine. Carrying over several gameplay elements from Xenoblade Chronicles, players explore the open world Mira, uh, completing a variety of quests and unlocking new regions to explore and gather resources from across Mira's five continents. I keep saying it that way in case I said it wrong, that I'm just reiterating that point over and over and over again. <laughs> Xenoblade Chronicles X takes place on the uncharted planet Mira following Earth's destruct, destructing destruction during an alien war. Humanity attempts to escape with only a few ships surviving. One such ship, the colony New Los Angeles, NLA, narrowly escapes and it crashes on Mira. After being rescued from a hibernation pod by a woman named Elma, instead of Elmo, right? Um, the player character, a customizable avatar, becomes a member of Blade. By the way, it's the only Xenoblade game that has a customizable mm-hmm. avatar, uh, which protects NLA and seeks the life hold, a, which is vital to their survival. While fending off the hostile ganglion and investigating Mira's secrets, the development team set themselves the challenge of creating an expansive world for players to explore within a tight development budget. The implementation of online multiplayer both proved challenging due to the team's inexperience, and the games required or the game required a comprehensive story rewrite to recast the protagonist as a player-created avatar. And that was the whole reason was to get it online. They wanted to have customizable avatars, so not everybody, you know, mm-hmm. getting online is the you know Master Chief or like the av- you know, <laughs> the Arbiter, and not everybody's the same character, right? So the basic game engine and foundation work of Xenoblade Chronicles X was used in Xenoblade Chronicles Two. And uh, the Xeno series is a long-standing series. It originated on, I believe, the PlayStation 1 as kind of a, um, uh, a side shoot of the Final Fantasy series set in like a more post-apocalyptic, dystopian, technological future. So that was kind of the or- origination of the Xeno series. I'm probably paraphrasing or summarizing a little too generally, but anybody who's watching probably hasn't played either of these series, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> so what do you guys remember about this game? Anything? I remember that when I first got my Wii U, you told me not to buy this game. And then later, <laughs> as in earlier today, you told me that I should buy this game because I would enjoy it. <laughs> so, mixed messaging there, Chris. <laughs> it's like Titanfall, but an RPG, Well, Titanfall is awesome. <laughs> Don't it vote is. its name. <laughs> um, remember, like, I don't know, like 20 seconds ago when we were talking about Xenoblade Chronicles Vex? <laughs> Is yeah, that that, that's, that's how much I remember of it. Um, <laughs> I have never heard of Xenoblade, but I'm really upset that I haven't. Uh, as you were playing the trailer right here, I was watching it, and it looks so cool. Uh, I don't have a Nintendo, but this is a game that could convince me to get a Nintendo. Not going to lie. Uh, it just looks like a lot of fun. It's different than what I've played before, so it's just really interesting. I want to know more about it. Uh, if you're going to buy it specifically for this game, this is like one of the only exclusive Wii U titles right now, which means it's probably coming to the Switch eventually. Yeah. I would not buy a Wii U just for this game. Let me just put it that way. Oh, it's only on the Wii U? As of right now, it is only on the Wii U. That's kind of the gotcha. next the next discussion point here is 
the Xenoblade Chronicles X is one of the only Wii U exclusives left. Should it get a Switch port? Yeah, because the Switch has already ravaged every other game from the Wii U, cannibalized it. So might as well, might as well keep eating. <laughs> uh, I mean, I say why not? Really, the only thing you would lose is the inventory management on the second screen. That would basically be it. Oh, we have Installation 00 on here in the middle of recording. <laughs> oh, shoot, surprise guest. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever heard of this game, Mr. 00? Sorry, bear me one second. I've just I've got you pumping out of my main speaker, so I don't want to give you um too much feedback. One second. <laughs> it's so weird to hear that voice live and not in a video. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's pre-recorded. We just had to come in at, the, at this point. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It was planned. <laughs> yeah, we just chopped up some of his old videos. Yeah, yeah. You just didn't know. No, I, yeah, I saw we... him hop in here. So, have you ever heard of this game, Mister Zero Zero? Uh, let's have a look. Xenoblade, I haven't. No. I did have a little look at some of the um, some of the cutscenes and a few of the advertisement trailers for it in prep for this video. And to be up, to be fair, it looks, well, like something up my street, so perhaps I might have to get into it. And I'll, I'll tell you, the one discouraging fact about this game is it's only available on the Wii U. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's my, that was my thought process. Like, these, this would be a game that both Luke and Installation 00 and Zang Healers and Will, everybody, everybody would probably like this game. Everyone should play this game. But it's on the <laughs> Wii U, and that's it. It has not been ported to the Switch yet. And that's where we're getting, we're actually discussing that right now. This game was made for the Wii U, and it is the, one of the few exclusives left on the platform. Oh, it's a shame that, um, well, I suppose they'll try to keep it an exclusive, won't they? Because obviously, there seems to be a lot of um, a lot of franchises recently that have been sort of hop into different um, to different platforms. And yeah, if it's one of the few exclusives left, they'll try to keep hold of it. That's a shame because I, I would have really liked to to um, to have a go on it. But then saying that, I'm I'm not unknown to buy a console solely for one game. So you are not you're, you're not known, or you are known. I'm I'm yeah I'm I'm known to to purchase oh, okay. a, a console <laughs> just for one single game. So would that game uh, be Halo? <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Mind if I have a whiskey? Oh yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Let me. Uh, oh, that was great. Let me grab. Uh, let me see if I can find your image real quick here, and we'll pull it onto the screen so people know. There you are. There you are. There you hello. <laughs> By the way, hello Zangelios. How are you? I'm great. I'm actually uh, kind of surreal to be talking to you right now, so I am absolutely fantastic right now. Brilliant. Brilliant. Oh. Good to hear. Yeah, so uh. this is my plan when we add Luke. I've got a I've got a four window window for the podcast and I'm gonna put I'm gonna leave you on the screen and then I think Luke's doing his camera, so I'll put him in the fourth window. That's but, fine. Anyways. Um, so Xenoblade well, Chronicles we're, we're creeping closer and closer to the hundred K, so soon enough I know. Be, there should be a uh, a camera for me as well but dude you're killing cool. it you're killing it you're you're yeah. you and same token are both like shooting right to a hundred thousand i've noticed he's but he's rocketed up recently isn't he yeah mm -hmm. both of you guys i i, I remember for, for ages he was a good a good i think 10 20 000 subs behind me and now he's like literally we're like getting neck and neck now yeah we guys have every game <laughs> i was saying you guys need to do like a, a collaboration that'd be awesome we have spoken about it good i would love to see uh, that we um yeah so he's he's obviously I, I hopped in and, and did like a little like appearance on his um Halo Three retrospective, and he's got another one coming up for ODST which he wants um, me in on. I think he's gonna get a couple of the other guys as well, 
but um yeah we have spoken about doing just something between us two because we we seem to have kind of a similar similar take on things so i mean he's done some pretty detailed um, videos on the precursors and slip space and so have i so yeah there's a lot of overlap yeah and saying that i'm very excited about the video that comes out prior to this video that we're going to be recording later today (laughs) all about uh forerunner saga um Mm -hmm. so we are in the middle of recording this video, so I'll, I'll probably snip some of these parts out real quick. But that's, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you tell everybody about your channel, and I might splice that together later. That way, everybody knows who Mister Installation Zero Zero is. Yeah. So I do Halo lore videos, and best known for my most detailed breakdowns, where I go into insane levels of detail on various things, all things Halo. And he's got this really awesome icon with the the. Uh, glowing eyeball or, or rather glowing uh i can't remember what that's called orb in the middle of his uh icon it's yeah pretty awesome that's actually if you if you zoom in that's actually the it's a, a blue lo- a version of the logo of my second channel is it really oh yeah see it's a law gate oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. Oh, holy shoot. cow <laughs> i didn't notice that before it's an yeah, easter egg yeah easter exactly egg. that's cool all right well, now that you guys all know Installation Zero Zero's here, let's uh, let's keep on with keeping on. Uh, <laughs> I actually have this game. I might be the only person in this entire podcast that actually owns this game, and I've, I've played the beginning of it. It plays uh, physically like the original game, but it's got a little bit of a uh, kind of a simplified menu versus the, the original game. We had a massive, massive menu, and this one didn't do a lot to simplify it. Unlike Xenoblade Chronicles Two, which really brought it into a more simplified gameplay mechanics. Um, but this game did simplify and streamline a lot of things, especially using the second screen of the Wii U gamepad. So uh, you had inventory management and combat selection and all that on the gamepad. And you could do the map screen. All the pause menu things that you would normally get, the Wii U is great because you had that inventory management and second screen, which I love about the Wii U. And I still use the Wii U for games that have inventory management, like the two Zelda mm-hmm. remakes. So... This is a yeah. great game if you have a Wii U and you don't have this game. It's like twenty bucks. You just need to go get it. Yes, yes, that's one thing that I, like really has bothered me about some games that I've played in the past is if their inventory like menu is just like o- OTT cluttered or just really mm-hmm. like too many layers of depth to it. You need something just clean, concise, so you know what you got, where you need to go to get it, and yeah. So it's it's good to hear that they've simplified things. At least a little bit. You didn't have an interactive menu like in Fable 3. <laughs> Just kidding. That was terrible. That was the worst menu ever. Yeah. So the one thing that... <laughs> Chris is fully dismissed in my comment. <laughs> like the one person who's probably played Fable 3 in here. Anyways, sorry, Will. I'm not trying to dismiss you. I had to respond to Luke. He's coming on on the next segment, and he just yeah, messaged me. and said, where are we doing it at? I was like, oh, hey. So I probably just didn't hear you, Will. I'll be honest with you. Um, <laughs> uh, the one thing about this game that's amazing and something that I'm looking forward to but also a little nervous about on Halo Infinite is the open world aspect of this. This world is like the biggest world in a game I have ever played in. Like, you can... Do you see how many different environments there are here? These are all massive landscapes that you can go between. It's kind of like Breath of the... It is literally, like, the size of Breath of the Wild or larger is how Mm -hmm. big this game is. And the first game was on the Wii, and it had a a landscape about the same size, which is insane when you think about it, because the Wii was highly under... under, um, Underpowered. It was highly underpowered when you look at a console... And even mm. the Wii U was a power PC structure when everybody else was moving away from that. 
Mm -hmm. so it says to me that perhaps the um, the game makes heavy use of procedural generation, so using an algorithm to actually generate the terrain as opposed to like physically storing the terrain. Well, I will say this: the enemies, yes, but the terrain itself doesn't change when you move from one area to the next. Okay. So it is it is a physically mapped out uh, landscape. Yeah, I know. That, like even IGN's review of this game mentions the same thing about how it's like surprisingly gigantic for such a underpowered machine. Yep. And it's detailed; like it's not super barren. Absolutely. This this game is super impressive, just like its predecessor. And then Xenoblade Chronicles Two just smashed it out of the park. It sold really well for the Switch. So you know you can always count on games developers to squeeze every last drop of power they can get out of a console to to run mm-hmm. their game. <laughs> oh yeah. So, given that we all... Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Zing. Uh, I was just going to say that. I've just been sitting here watching it, just soaking... It's like a mixture of Anthem, Elder Scrolls Online, um, maybe a little bit of No Man's Sky. It, it's like... I, I don't know how to describe... It just looks so cool. I um, This game came out in 2015, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I just kind of want to go back to the, I, the... When we were talking about if it should be ported to the Switch. I mean, like, someone like me who's genuinely interested genuinely interested in playing a game like this you would think you would want a somewhat newer game to be on your latest gen console to allow newer players to play it because mm. i i'm willing to buy a console for one game i mean i'm heavily debating getting the ps5 for miles morales and spider-man mm-hmm. but i'm not going to buy an older console just for a specific game like i wouldn't go back and buy a 360 or an xbox one just because of one game that's on there so i don't know yeah, this game yeah. is just really interesting I would. I went back and bought the Wii U specifically for Tokyo Mirage Sessions FV. <laughs> and yeah. then this game was a bonus. <laughs> I got the Wii U for Breath of the Wild, even though it was on the Switch. <laughs> <laughs> and you probably got re-bought Breath of the Wild, too, knowing well. No, not yet. No? Wow. I probably will, yeah. Did I hear that right, Zanghelios? You're a, you're an Anthem fan. No. God, no. No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> not what you heard. <laughs> I think this game looks more like Titanfall as an RPG. That's what it looks like to me. I mean, Titanfall. look at the mech suits. Yeah, they are, they're, they're pretty beasty, to be fair. Yeah, so that's what this reminds me of. It's like as if you took the Titanfall mech suits, made it into an RPG. Are they called Titans? I can't remember. Yeah, they're called Titans. Okay, Titans. so the ti- you take the Titans from Titanfall 2 or Titanfall 1 and then made an RPG out of it and threw Japanese art style in the mix, and yeah. there you go. Speaking of an interesting world with interesting lore, though, it'd be cool to get some lore videos on Titanfall. Just saying. <laughs> Lorecore multiverse? Huh? Huh? Lorecore might have to look at it then. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> That's definitely there a world There are freaking That's... dinosaurs in it, so I mean, it's got to be pretty pretty interesting. <laughs> I need to go play Titanfall 2 now. <laughs> That's what I just yeah, heard. Yeah, see you guys it's later. I'll be <laughs> Anyway, uh, the last thing I wanted to kind of talk about, since uh, I'm pretty much the only one I think that has played this game. Is that correct? Nobody else has touched it. Okay, I've, I've not. Man- yeah, not, I've not managed to play it. All right. So the last thing I want to say is like, what do you guys think happens to these obscure, or not even really obscure, but like these franchises that get left behind on a console and never get ported? Like, oh, people forget about it. There's like thousands of, or at least hundreds of examples of over past generations where it's a fantastic game. Like, you know, people enjoyed it even at the time. But for whatever reason, it didn't get ported, there's no sequels, and people just forgot about it and gets locked into a, an older system. And then there's generations going that go by that, you know, just fades into obscurity because no one's playing it. I suppose it would depend upon the way in which the game was developed. So with, with like, standalone games developers like like the likes of 343 Industries and Bungie, um, they're, 
they depend upon their franchise continuing continued success for their revenue <laughs> meanwhile if a game is actually developed by say nintendo for the nintendo wii they're not really as dependent upon that one particular game franchise That's for fair. their revenue stream so if they if they just look at if they weigh up and think well this one didn't perform as well as some of the other ones and then they port the better well, the better ones that to them they're not losing out it just leaves a large portion of the fan base for that older game behind and kind of thinking well you know why why didn't you carry that over mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of things that nintendo does that i don't understand because the, to your point i'm sure they didn't lose any money but they could make more money by giving it to us so i don't yeah. understand why they won't just do it <laughs> well they did do xenoblade chronicles definitive edition so there are people speculating yeah. that they're waiting until the switch pro or the switch 2 to re-release this game hmm well, again, it might it might not just be like revenue. It could be resources. You know, they might not just they might just not have the manpower with everything else they're doing to dedicate you know a team to developing a new version or a new release of a franchise's games. So, mm-hmm. yeah, now it's a shame because there are loads that I'd like. There's loads in my past that I would have loved to have carry over, but they just didn't. I, mean, yeah, I guess a... you can kind of oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, so the way I look at this game, right, so Xenoblade Chronicles, the first game, got ported to the Switch, and then Xenoblade Chronicles 2 came to the Switch, and that's it. That's some kind of continuation in those two stories, but it's not, like, super continuous. It's, like, kind of, like, barely continuous. But there are a lot of franchises where there's kind of, like, that Dark Horse game that's different than the rest of them, and then, like, those don't get ported necessarily. Mm. Like, uh, for example, Zelda 2, that's never been remade. <laughs> Like this mm-hmm. game is kind of the dark horse of the Xenoblade Chronicles games. It's not. It's different enough from the other two that it kind of stands out. So it's a little more niche. There's less people that are into these mech suits. Like this is what the Xeno Saga series was kind of more like. Was with the robot mech suits, Titan suits, whatever you want to call them. And so this was more akin to the Xeno Saga, which came out on the PS One, versus the more uh, what they've done with Xenoblade. Like I'll show you what the difference in the art style is. It's very it's very jarring when you look at this versus Xenoblade Chronicles uh, Definitive Edition or like Xenoblade Chronicles Two. They're very different games, and so. When you have a game that's so different, it stands out like that, if it doesn't sell well, it's almost like they can just leave that in the past. And that's kind of what I was getting at, was some series are very popular, but when you have that one that kind of sticks out, that's different, that didn't sell well, they just kind of leave it behind, you know? Like, it's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Like, see, do you see how it's so different? You've got the swords, you've got more of the... Um, it does still have the robots and stuff, but... Yeah, it seems much more, like, sort of, yeah, fantasy-style art direction as opposed to as opposed to um the previous which was much yeah it was much more like almost gritty so to speak mm-hmm. it's still got those fan those fantasy like sort of influences there's yeah a lot more grit and a lot more yeah a lot more not realism but you know realism so to speak to mm-hmm. it so that was all i was trying to get out with that um is there anything else you guys wanted to say about the- oh I forgot. There's these two giant uh, godlike creatures that are the the actual world in the first game that they live on. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that cloud. Uh, you mean wait? Cloud's Final Fantasy, right? Yeah. All right, it's a Okay, I'm thinking someone else then. I'm... He's in Smash Bros. Oh, if that's if you asking if he's in Smash Bros, then yes, the answer is yes. I yeah, can't remember if yeah, his name's Cloud. That's where or I not, think though. I know him from. It's Final Fantasy Seven, right? Yeah, I think I Cloud's might be totally final. wrong on this, but someone's gonna correct me on that. <laughs> it is yeah, seven. It is seven. Someone. <laughs> Anyways, uh, he kind of they kind of look a little bit alike, but not enough that I would. 
if I saw them side by side, I would not mistake them. But given the short period of time you've had to look at the screen, I can see how you would mistake him for Cloud. I'll give you the credit on that one. <laughs> I just I just played Super Smash Bros. for like probably 15 <laughs> minutes one time. I was like, hey, hey, I think I know you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I think we can end this segment because Luke's getting ready to hop on anyways. And we're going to record a whole bunch of stuff about Forerunner Saga. And you're going to see this out of order with me describing it the day after it happens. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, as always, I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I'm Corbin. Zang, whatever you want to call me. (laughs) I'm in Station Zero And we will see you all on On the next Crowcast. This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Will. I'm Zeng. And I'm Zero Zero. And uh, if you just caught the Thursday video for this one, you'll realize that Installation Zero Zero just like, you know, randomly popped in and crashed the stream. But (laughs) he's also in Monday through Wednesday, and we did some really great videos with him and Hidden Xperia. So go watch those if you're on the last video this week and somehow didn't watch those. So, anyways, uh, Zeng, tell everybody about your channel. So I do reaction videos to all sorts of stuff. Uh, Arrow, Flash, Star Wars, Halo, all that great stuff. Working on the boys in Umbrella Academy currently. I'm also shifting to do more Halo-centric videos, uh, both lore and reactions. So, yeah, that's my channel, and I'm hoping to grow. And Installation Zero Zero, tell everybody what we just discovered about your channel. You are all of you vermin. <laughs> uh, um, no, sorry. Okay, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> so... Yeah, I, so I make um, Halo lore videos, and um, I'm probably best known for my most detailed breakdown. And in particular, um, we just discovered for some reason um, that I made I made some um, the I, I remade all of the terminal videos from Halo Three with voice actors that include Steve Downs as Master Chief, Tim Dadavo as Three Four Three Gilly Spark, Cat Peterson as the Librarian, and, and then I voice um, the Isodidact and a few other characters. So I narratively 
um, explored the terminals and for some reason nobody seemed to get the notification for it when it went live as we've just discovered um, so if you haven't seen the terminal videos I strongly recommend you go and have a look um, because it narratively explores with the, with the vocal talents of, of the people I've just said narratively explores the ter- Halo 3 terminals in an awesome new way and if you're playing Halo 3 right now and you don't want to have to read this is a great resource for you to go to YouTube and just be like alright Installation zero zero and all the other crew. Tell me what happened in this terminal. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, definitely, uh, I'm gonna go watch those later. So, and Will's going to too. He already said so. If he doesn't, mm-hmm. I will get him, Mister Zero Zero. I will make sure uh, he watches them. You don't need to get me to do anything. Just, like, I, can watch it. I listen to both these guys' videos like all the time during work. So, there you go. All right. So today we're not here to talk about Halo for for once. This week it's not about Halo, and it's not about Xenoblade Chronicles either. It's about, it's, always about Halo. <laughs> it's about console sales and why the Xbox Series X launching with Halo would have sold a lot more. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it's about the console sales and will the next-gen consoles outsell the previous-gen consoles? That's the question we're going to kind of answer today. So, Not at the current pace. they got to make more. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, let, me finish, let me finish setting this up, Will. Okay. So I am going to give a little bit of facts here. So will the next-gen consoles outsell the previous generation? To, to know if we can do it or not, we have to know what they sold previous-gen. So the last-gen console for the Xbox, um, the best-selling console of the... I'm sorry, will they outsell all of the previous-generation consoles was the question. So the best-selling Xbox of all time was the 360, and it sold 84 million-plus units. The best-selling console for Nintendo was the Wii, and it sold 101.6 million units with the best-selling Nintendo handheld, which is relevant because the Switch is handheld as well as being a docked console, sold 154 million units, which is insane. But the most insane console of all time was the PS2 that sold 155-plus million units with the PSP selling 82 million units. And then the Atari, because we're going to throw that in there too, sold 30 million units, the 2600. And the best-selling in television of all time sold 3 million units. And all of these brand, all of these uh, console brands have new consoles coming out this year, which is why I have these all here. So the newest oh, Xbox... With, within, a, within a year of this video, not, not in 2020. Exactly, exactly, within the year. Um, the Xbox Series X and S have already released. The PS5 has already released. The Nintendo Switch is currently doing crazy numbers. It's at 68 million sales mm-hmm. worldwide, which is... Um, more than half of what the Wii sold. And What's it's, so funny about that is a couple months ago, you could not buy a Switch. You couldn't find it anywhere. But if you go to any store now, you can't find the Xbox or PlayStation, but they have like 50 Switches. There's <laughs> Nintendo right, right there yeah. for you. Um, and then the PS Vita is the latest Sony handheld, and the PS5 is the latest console. The Vita is from 2011, so it's not like really a next-gen console anymore. <laughs> it's pretty old at this point. Um, and then the Atari VCS is obviously coming out. It's coming out in December. They've already shipped some out to developers. I saw a video of them actually playing around with one, which was kind of cool. And then the um, Intellivision Amico, our good friend Tommy Tallarico, putting that out next April. So what are our predictions for the consoles? That's really a question, and can they outsell the previous highest selling console of each respective brand. So let's start with the Xbox since everybody loves the Xbox in this conversation. Yeah, I think the Xbox is going to uh, certainly outsell the Xbox One. I think they're just making a lot of better decisions. They've bought basically every studio that exists, so they're actually going to have first party games. Uh, they have like the cheaper console, which actually is still really powerful, which is cool. Um, they have that payment system, they have Game Pass, they have the, the cloud gaming. They're doing everything right this generation, if they, as long as they actually like, make like make good on the promise of those first-party games eventually. Um, as far as outselling the 360, 
I, I think they could. But the thing is, again, they have a, a different strategy where they want more people buying Game Pass. So you, you might want to try to factor in, it's like maybe they don't sell as many consoles, but they have like like 300 million people playing Game Pass, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so like they still take, they're still dominating the market, but in a different way. About you, Zang? Yeah. Um, I, it's kind of like I'm kind of looking at this console generation as going from like an like the new iPhone. A lot of I mean, you upgrading to a new iPhone nowadays. It's like yeah, you got some cool new features and what and stuff. But it's like I could wait another year or two to get a new iPhone. That's kind of how I felt about the Series X for a bit. I, I currently have an Xbox uh, One X, and going to a Series X, the only serious thing I'm like ah, oh, this is really cool, is just the the speed. Because Quick Resume, I would not really use Quick Resume anyways. I close any game I'm currently operating anyways because it makes the console run slower uh, because it's focusing on two different games. So I going from like the Xbox original to the Xbox 360, that was a huge jump. That was there was a social aspect. There was a bigger emphasis on Xbox Live. They had a whole bunch of new games coming out. And I think that the Xbox Series X doesn't have that. And I don't think there's any way it'll definitely outsell a previous generation but like will said they're focusing on game pass so uh they might make more money but they probably won't outsell so we'll just have mm-hmm. to wait and see yeah see i, I agree with a lot of those a lot of those sentiments um with i mean, obviously at the moment it's a slightly more problematic situation obviously with with supplies of the console being relatively limited but in the in the long term yeah it's 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 entirely possible those outsell the number of units i mean some of the you got to consider like some of the really older consoles like um like the ps2 considering that that was launched back in 2000 really there weren't many other games consoles on the market around that time aside from you know at, at that time before the xbox launched at least the, the original xbox if if anyone said games console generally speaking they were thinking the playstation so uh, the PlayStation 2 dominating the market back then, uh, 155 plus units. Um, I don't think it's very likely that the Xbox is the, the new Xbox is going to match that for unit sales. No. Um, but once they get over these the, the you know these issues at the moment with supply and demand, um, yeah, I, th- I think with with how much is going right for the Xbox at the moment and and how much Microsoft have diversified their that their sort of business model and they've branched out and and you know they, they're utilizing pc as another way to to go about um, getting their content out they've got the x cloud they you know they've got as as will said they're doing everything right this time around there's a good chance with a, a, a little bit more time and a little bit more uh, in the way of actual supply so to speak mm-hmm. um yeah there's a good chance they could outsell the um the xbox one and the 360 and with yeah. a console at $300 with the Xbox Series S, um, that could be a great holiday seller, especially next year if they have a Halo-themed one. Can That's you imagine? It. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's a great way of people who like PlayStation more to get into the Xbox ecosystem because you do the payment system where you buy the Xbox, you have the payment system, and you still get Game Pass. So you have access to all of the first-party games across multiple generations. And that's the thing is like that's why I have a hard time getting into PlayStation is because I would have to rebuy all those games, whereas with Xbox I, I would have them just for free essentially. The other thing I found out Sony did that was really smart that I hope Microsoft implements as well is Sony actually included PS5 Remote Play as an app on the PS4. So if you already have a PS4 
and you have a PS5 hooked up downstairs in your house and you have a PS4 upstairs in your say in your bedroom you want a game it's, before you go to bed that is an amazing option the thing is that it's a moot point for um, the Xbox cuz you already have the X Cloud so you can But do you have it on games. Xbox 1? That's their question. What do you so, mean? Yeah. Yes. I, I mean you can use your Xbox as a booster or whatever but No, that's that's you what don't... you're not understanding me well. If you can play Xbox Series X games in the yeah. future via xCloud on the Xbox One. That's what I'm saying. Not the current games. Oh, I see. So, I see. You, you mean like... If they continue to support the Xbox One I via xCloud going forward. I'm sure there's a way you can finagle it where you just play it on the TV. Because you can, can't you cast it already from the game or the xCloud? I'm not sure. I know you can with like an Apple TV or like a streaming stick or something like that. I'm saying... They should continue to give utility to the Xbox One yeah. via I mean, xCloud. I, I totally agree with you. I think they probably will. I mean, they're still sort of supporting the 360. Uh, they yeah. still get free games for it every month, which is, is kind of crazy to me. Yeah, so th- that, that, that was my unplug. only comment there. Sorry, go ahead. I'm just, I would just unplug it and move it to upstairs. <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> Well, if you're not going to keep multiple consoles, sure. But I always end up keeping the previous gen consoles. Instead I will of... probably trade in my series, my my Xbox One X, if I get a Series X, because at that point it is very redundant. The only that reason is. why I have the older consoles is because there's still games that I can't play uh, that I want to play on the older ones. But with the Series X, it, it literally plays every single game I have, so I don't see a reason to keep the the, the One X. Yeah, because the OG Xbox games, they're still plenty locked out from yeah. being playable on the Xbox One X and the Series X. And then the Xbox 360, although there's a vast library of Xbox 360 games that will play on the Xbox One and the Series X, there are still games that are locked out on mm-hmm. that gen too. But yep. there's literally full compatibility with the Xbox One, excluding one set of games I'll tell you about in a minute, Will. But the Kinect games, which I'll exactly. never play. I have the Kinect <laughs> and the Kinect games, so I will be keeping my Xbox One. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> there's a reason why I didn't get the Xbox until the Kinect was no longer in the bundle but <laughs> clearly if they don't put a Kinect on the Xbox One uh, Series X they will not outsell the Xbox One yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess we can move on to the Nintendo do you guys think the Switch will surpass the Wii and long shot the DS I think it will I don't know about the DS. I think it will overshoot the Wii because there's going they're going to update it like the handhelds. So like, is that DS? Is that just the base DS, or is that all the different versions? All the versions of the DS. Yeah. But... So they're going to do the same thing with the Switch. So, you're, so you have the Switch. You have the Switch Lite. You're going to have that Switch HD. I'm sure there's going to be a Switch XL at some point. So um, they have a winning platform, and I think they're only going to make micro improvements as far as like like power, and they're just going. They're going to keep selling it just like the hand. It's it's selling like a handheld, so I think it's going to surpass the Wii. Um, honestly, I, I'm not. I've never been a big Nintendo fan. They don't. There, there aren't really many games I play other than maybe Smash Bros. at a friend's house or something every once in a while. So I don't really know much about Nintendo or the hype around it. But based on what I've heard about the Switch and how hyped people were when it came out, I can really see it outselling. Uh, the previous gen, especially since, uh, from what, what I've heard anyways, going from the Switch to the previous gen, which was the Wii U, correct me if I'm wrong, yep. uh, 
it's a much bigger step just because you have the handheld option, you have the docked option, you have the controllers. And I think that's a really neat idea. It's a really creative and original one as well. So uh, I, I think that it's definitely possible and actually probable that they will sent, uh, sell out the previous generation. Yeah, I just say, yeah go, sorry, go on. I think given that a lot of our technology nowadays is becoming more and more mobile, um, the, the, the fact that we're carrying around, you know, like phones in our pockets that are, are stronger and more, um, more powerful in processing power than than many of our of our older home computers just five years ago um nintendo have got onto a winning recipe in having a console that's got quite it's got heavy support from um, content creators to start with so like mm-hmm. there's loads of games coming out on it as a platform you've got that mo that 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 mobility as part of its its sort of key selling point um but also the fact that it's a highly adaptable kind of modular games console that can that can be used it can be docked it can be you know utilized in a, in a more standalone fashion um it means that because it's got more more use case it's going to have a higher popularity among well practically every age range um so it's 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 almost an inevitability that it's going to outsell the wii um simply because of that modularity and, and that it can be used in a, in a in a much larger basis than any console um, at least of the Nintendo line, um, well, in, in quite a few years. So, yeah, in, in the grand scheme of things, it's 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 an inevitability. I think that it's going to outsell the Wii, uh, outsell the Wii. Um, and really, with uh, at least to my at my knowledge, I think XCloud is practically the only other situation where a, a big console developer has taken a step to make gaming more mobile in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, the, the fact that, that, that it's it's kind of a they're still selling the, the you know the Xbox Series X as its own you know big standalone product, having that mobility built into the exact to the very ethos of the Switch is playing to their advantage. And yeah, it, it's it's just going to continue to grow. And and as they add, like Will said, small iterative developments in in its definition, in its size, in its um, and it's p- processing power. It's just going to continue to dominate. Yeah. So I guess I'll uh, follow that up with, uh, I really don't think it'll pass. If you were to combine the 3DS and the DS, you'd have almost 240 million units across those two. So <laughs> that will never surpass their previous mobile, because the DS was uh, games were able to play on the 3DS. So the 3DS was just a continuation of the DS with added features. Um, and in my opinion, they're kind of the same family, but the Switch on its own, depending on how they market it, like if the next Switch is just like a 3DS of the Switch, where it's just like the next iteration of the Switch as opposed to a full-blown different thing, then mm-hmm. I think it will eventually pass the DS and the 3DS. But if they move on to like the next generation console, not the Switch, but the next thing, then no, the Switch is done after about the passing the Wii, it'll probably be done. You know what I mean? So it depends on if they move on or if they iterate. You know, is is that breaking point? Do they go this way or somewhere else? Um, yeah, well, you never know. There's always a third option where Nintendo just does something ridiculously crazy. <laughs> Fair enough. Virtual yeah, Boy 2. Yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> Nintendo VR reimagined. Oh, speaking of which, I think that VR, I, I have VR, and I think it is truly incredible. The technology is still young, but I think if the next gen 
Uh, like, for example, if the new Xbox Series X had a bigger focus on VR, I think that would have been a much uh, more incentive, a much better incentive to upgrade from the One X. And I think that these newer generations, especially since there's nowhere really left to go in terms of, like, upgrading the processing power or the frame cap or something, I think VR is the next step. Because I don't know if you guys have ever done VR before, but it's really incredible. I will never play Minecraft or No Man's Sky or Star Wars the same ever again. It's just, or even Halo. There is a Halo VR game. It's in pancake mode, but, you know, we don't, whatever. Uh, I, I think that these consoles need to focus on these type, this type of niche if they want to outsell previous generations. So I'm glad you brought up VR. I almost forgot about that. I mean, I'm, I'm quite surprised, really, that given that, you know, a lot of the, a lot of these a lot of these games console manufacturers are toying with their own um, virtual reality systems. I mean, Microsoft is obviously they've been playing with the, the Microsoft Hololens for mm-hmm. quite a long while. Quite a long while. I'm surprised really that they haven't made like a kind of a yeah like a light version, so to speak, of the Hololens. You know, not necessarily all guns blazing, but yeah, made a VR headset of the hololens that could ship with the console with it or, or or at least is compatible with the console maybe maybe it'll launch at a later date and um and then grant these the, the new the new series of consoles um yeah this vr capability that would be that would be quite, quite a significant move um in the right direction especially if you implement that alongside xcloud yeah the legendary got... edition of Infinite is going to come with a Halo Master Chief helmet that has VR built into it. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, oh, it, could, it could even be. I mean, it could. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm, I'm surprised that there hasn't been. Uh, I suppose there are some limitations, but I'm surprised there hasn't been more work and more interest in developing augmented reality mm-hmm. as opposed to just yeah, I think that's, virtual reality. Uh, I would prefer that anyway because I would love to be able to like, go outside with Halo and, like, you know all the trees and stuff just turn into like trees on the halo ring and the covenant are popping up behind it. That would be so cool. <laughs> I get to this go outside and play one. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about a console that is shipping with a VR. Uh, the PlayStation five has a, has the ability to link with the Sony PlayStation VR. Um, I know they have plans to do a VR too. I don't know if it's actually launching alongside the PS five, but the VR for PS four did not launch along the PS five. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just going to say it right out. There's no way the PS5 outsells the PS2. But it has a shot at outselling the PS4, which sold about 110 million units, I think, at this point in time. I don't, I don't know if it will, because the PlayStation 4 was in a unique case in the fact that it wasn't so much what Sony did correct that generation, but everyone else really was just sucking. So, I mean, consider their competition. The Xbox One was, was terrible for, for a very long time. Then the the Nintendo system was the Wii U, which was also terrible. So if you are like a serious gamer or someone who's like casually just wants to play third party games or you know the Sony games, uh, the the really only option was the PS uh, PS4, which I think is partially fueled why it sold so well. Because if you think about the, the even the exclusive, like there are not that many exclusives on that system compared to the PS3 and PS2. So it's not like they went bonkers with more exclusives; they just had them. <laughs> Whereas, like the Xbox didn't, um, and you know they were cheaper out of the gate than the Xbox. They are they were more powerful out of the gate. But I mean, as far as being user friendly and also like customer friendly, I mean PlayStation or you know PlayStation in general, Sony in general, was not super friendly this generation. They they locked uh, cross play between uh, different consoles. 
They were they didn't have any backwards compatibility. You had to rebuy all your games, um, and then you know various other things. So I think it was more of a, a reaction to their competition than, than them themselves. I don't know if the PS5 is going to be able to recreate that that magic formula. Check out this snapshot in 2017. In 2017, the PS4 had sold 54 million units. That means we've sold another 50 million units in the last three years. And then the Wii U 13.6, it never climbed much above that. And then mm-hmm. the Xbox One was sitting at 26 million. I believe it surpassed 50 million, but I think the Switch yes. has outsold it already. Yeah, it's, it's over 50 million, but the Switch has already passed it. Yeah. So what, do you, what about you, Zhang? What do you think about the PS5? The PS5 is big. And... Uh, <laughs> The fact that you can't fit it... No, I'm just kidding. Um, the PS5, I, it's a console that really gets me excited. I used to not ever be interested in PlayStation. I had a PlayStation 2 when I was a kid, but the PlayStation 5 is something I'm like, oh, you okay, you've got me interested. The games are phenomenal, or the games that aren't even out yet look phenomenal, like God of War Ragnarok and uh, the New Horizon Zero Dawn game. All those games look really fantastic. And on the Xbox side, I'm like, Halo! All right, let's go. And I'm like, what else do we got? Halo, okay. We got Fable. How dare you forget Fable? (laughs) I have never... Hold on, hold on. I have not played Fable yet, and that was supposed to be a surprise, but I'm going to be reacting to all the Fables in a few months, so I'm really excited for that. That's going to be interesting, those games are super goofy. (laughs) And uh, Resident Evil and Metal Gear Solid, but those are way later. Uh, But anyways, the PS5 is a game that... Or is a console that has the games... It's a console that I know will not sell the PS4, but I think it'll get to a point. It'll probably outsell the Xbox Series X. I think it already yeah, is. I think it will. And this isn't a console worst debate or anything. It just it is what it is. It's factual. That doesn't say the Xbox Series X is bad or worse than the PS5, but I definitely think in terms of sales, the PS5 definitely has a chance to get to a place, a really good place for Sony as a company, and to maybe even make a. I don't want to say a spin-off console, but like a, you know, like PS4 had a PS4 Pro. PS5 mm-hmm. could do something like that and make another cheaper model like years down the line. Um, so who knows? But as for it outselling previous generations, definitely not the PS2. It might get close to the PS4, but I don't know if it'll outsell the PS4. We'll see. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of those sentiments. I mean, again, I've, I had a PS when I was yeah much 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 younger then the Xbox came out and that kind of stole my stole my heart mm. but um since um since seeing the new yeah the new PS5 and in particular I'm glad you mentioned it God of War um seeing seeing God of War Ragnarok on yeah it's that's that's got my head turning and the, the, it's it's is bringing the distinct possibility that it might be time for me to jump back into the PlayStation market um, if nothing else for God of War, I just there's something about Kratos. He's just <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah, boy. Um, yeah, it's just as far as out. Yeah, I, I again I, I agree with the sentiment that as far as outside the PS2, probably not going to happen. Um, but outselling the PS4, yeah, outselling some of. I mean, it's like you say, it's already outselling the the, the Xbox. Um, not sure on whether or not it will outsell um, the Switch, just because, like, like I said, the, the mobile aspect that comes with it. However, the VR does afford it again this 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 niche that Xbox isn't 
dealing with um, that I really think they're missing a trick for, only for not like, doing. Hasn't only been like three million PSVR sets sold though. It's it's pretty. It's low. not very much. It's a very low percentage of the PlayStation Four population. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's like I know it's sub five million. Yeah, I think that's part of the reason. Which why is Xbox still the best selling VR headset in the entire industry right now. It's yeah. also the cheapest. It just. It? So, so I mean, isn't the PS, isn't the PlayStation VR? That's that's fairly old now, though, isn't it? It's been around, uh, it's been around least, a while. Yeah, between three to five years, years old. At yeah. least three to five years, somewhere in there. So, is it possible? I mean, I, I suppose we'd already know. Um, I, it, would it be possible that PlayStation are perhaps working on a newer, more linearized kind of version to come out with the? Uh, the yeah, with, they with are. The PS- they're, I think they're working they on are. a fully wireless one. I think. Oh, brilliant! Okay, so oh. in, so in theory, then once once that once that hits home, that could be again another launching pad that could see the the PlayStation Five have that many more consoles again sold. So one of the things they don't boost sales of the new VR headset as well. One of the things they'd never tell you when you buy a PlayStation VR headset, and I told this to people that actually went and bought one because I don't think they were expecting it. There is like a solid like like brick you have to sit on top of your console that plugs into the, the PlayStation 4 to make that work. Um, and the way it works is it kind of like intercepts the signal from the PS4 and broadcasts it to the headset. The, they also don't tell you that the PlayStation VR headset, you could actually use as an HDTV for any console. You could plug it into anything you want, and it would project the, the HD. It's like two little mini HDTVs is essentially what it is. Okay. Um, but it has a lot of interactive controls with the obviously the PlayStation uh, Move controllers, which were repurposed for PlayStation VR. It's kind of a yeah. smorgasbord of things they put together to make it cheap because it's low low production cost, but also effective because it works really well. Now for the PS5 VR, I think they're going a little more high end and they're spending a little more time in the R and D department. And I had heard from um, somebody that they were trying to go with a fully wireless uh, headset. Either either with a battery or with a, a mobile, a more mobile connection, where you don't have to physically have it plugged into the PS4 like with the PS, uh, the PSVR for the previous gen. Okay. So that, that, again, that would be a, that would be a good and significant step in the right direction for yeah. for innovations that would hopefully see that console being purchased um, by more people. And you've got to bear in mind that systems like that, systems in particular, things like VR. Um, Consoles are then not just purchased by gamers. Uh, I'm aware of um, of a couple of businesses that I've worked with in, in the, the recent past um, through, through my own company that use consoles um, to use consoles with VR headsets to um, showcase their designs and their 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 constructions and and whatever else whatever other products that they're showcasing at the time. So they they use them for a business purpose, not just for um, the gaming um, the gaming sort of aspect of it. So in theory, if they can really nail wireless VR um, for the PlayStation Five and 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 they go a bit more high end, that budget is not outside of the realms for companies to take on as a really useful tool um, going forward. And that may again bolster um, bolster sales in PlayStation's favor. Yeah, I can see that. Um, so given that we, we've all kind of agreed, like none of these consoles are probably going to outsell the previous gen other than possibly the switch with the Wii. Um, why don't we postulate on Atari and a television just for fun? 
Um, what do you guys think the chances are that the Atari VCS, if you even know what that is, I'll, I'll pull up the developer thing I found. It's it. going to sell 10 units. <laughs> <laughs> it sold at least 15,000, Will. I'll give you that. So it sold at least. Well, that's no, what those are going to be returned. <laughs> the final number will be 10. There was one that, yeah, this is the one that just came out. So this person actually physically has a um, Atari VCS. The only person I've ever seen that actually has one. Let's see if they have a, a good picture of it. There it is, right there. So that's how they got the weight and everything in here. That's what it physically looks like. It's a pretty wide console. Um, and this is a, remember, this is a developer set, so it, it, the color scheme may not be available to the regular public. But it's, it's not like a light console. It's not a heavy console. Um, but it does give some good... Uh, aesthetics of what the original atari looked like but essentially this is a dual boot it's a it's a atari os and you can also put a second operating system on it so that was what their idea was because they couldn't figure out how to get developers to develop for it so like you know what whatever you can put steam on it <laughs> okay <laughs> but uh yeah that's the atari vcs it's coming out in december and the previous Atari best-selling console was the 2600 back in the 70s that sold 30 million units. I'm going to say 7 million for my serious answer. You think it'll sell 7 million? No, sub a million. Oh, I was like, holy cow, oh. 7 million. <laughs> no, no, definitely not 7. No, no, no. I thought I heard 7 million as well. So the, the price tag okay. is another good good indicator. The price tag of this thing is $400. Yeah, I'd get the Xbox. Yeah, and if there's any chance somebody's going to go and, you know, unless you're nostalgic or you want something interesting and you have the money to just throw at it, you know, in this economy, a lot, not a lot of people have that kind of money to just throw at something they don't really trust or understand. So, I don't think there's any chance it passes 30 million. I'd be shocked. Uh, but I could see it selling a million. I honestly could. I have actually never played an Atari, so I have no idea what to expect. You see, I have. Yeah, see, I haven't. Uh, I yeah, I, I can't. I can't. They're not going to outsell the original. Obviously, they're not going to. No. Um, back that back then, I'm with again. We're talking the seventies. This that that was like a golden age for you know the retro gaming, so to speak. Although it wasn't considered retro back then, was it? Obviously, right. it was new. <laughs> Um, it was an emergent technology at that time, which which made it unique and made it interesting and made it something that people wanted to look, you know, look at and get involved with. Now they're offering something that is, um, from a functional standpoint, you know, from, from the, the functionality they can grant you, not really giving you very much in the mm. way of like great innovations, um, and then having to sort of simultaneously piggyback on things like like you say, you know, I'll make it so you can put Steam on it and things like that. That's that's kind of having to rely upon the reputation of something else it, it it just becomes more of a talking point than a console it's you know it's um yeah then definitely not going to sell the original and i would i would even go so far as to say i i think they're pushing their luck to 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 get a million i'd, I'd say it's probably more more likely less than 750k yeah probably i would say i would liken buying an atari uh, VCS in 2020 to buying a brand new BlackBerry in 2020. It's a good talking point if you want to be different, um, but you're getting the same functionality as basically any other generic console or cell phone. So uh, that's kind of my thought process, and and I think the dog agrees with me. So yeah, yeah. You, you <laughs> how about the uh, the Intellivision Amico, the best selling Intellivision of all time, sold three million units. That was 1980. Um, 
I'm not sure how much you guys know about the Intellivision Amico, but I predict it sells 5 million units. Wow, that's pretty high, man. I The thing is, I love Tommy. I love the concept of this console. I'm still unsure how it's going to hit and land with people. So I'm going to be more conservative and say he's going to sell a million consoles with it. Um, but I think if it, if it, honestly, if people start to catch on with what it's promising and it does uh, produce what it's promising, I think it will sell more than that. I just, I just don't know. So one million is my, my guess. What is this console? I've, I've never <laughs> heard of it. <laughs> it's you never heard of the Intellivision Amico? We talked not. about it plenty of times on our on our channel, but essentially. They took what the I don't know if you know what the Intellivision is zero zero. Um, have you ever seen an original Intellivision? Um, not not an original, no. So essentially, they took the original Intellivision, they took that design aesthetic, and they're mm-hmm. making what looks like a modern Intel what a modern Intellivision would look like. A lot of people okay. um, say the controllers kind of look like two iPod touches had a baby with a cell phone, um, but. <laughs> But it, it's it's meant to kind of be comfortable, and I saw some videos of people playing with these things, but I can't seem to find them on the fly here. But it, it allows for asymmetric gameplay from directly in your hand. It'd be like as if somebody handed you a controller with an actual screen on it. It's like if you want to play Texas Hold'em on a game console, this would actually allow that. It's meant for casual and family gameplay versus yeah. the more hardcore entertainment of the Xbox Series X, the PS5, and and even the Switch to a degree. Yeah, it's supposed to capture that co-op gameplay that d- it doesn't really exist anymore. So it's more simple games. It's supposed to be fun, it, like just bursts of, of fun. And then also, what's cool about it is like all the games will be ten bucks. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, and so again, it's supposed to be like the family console, which doesn't really exist anymore. It's like these style of games. Breakout is one of the games they're really heavily pushing as a new style of Breakout. Yeah, the thing is, like, what I still find confusing about this is like, it's a really cool concept, and the more I, I look into it, the more I'm interested. But I think the nostalgia factor is going to hold people back because who the, who really remembers the the Intellivision? It didn't sell particularly well at the time. Not many people have nostalgia for it, and people are going to – the thing is, like, you still know the name, and you're going to think, oh, this is just, like, a, a mini Nintendo console, like the um, – Nintendo Classic. So you may not pick it up thinking that it's just one of those consoles, but it's actually it's a brand new thing. I don't know. I, I'm I'm slightly confused with uh, that. I'm not I'm not sure what sort of what what sort of design ethos there is behind it. But is uh, you you guys might know is there anything uh, anything been said about the possibility of like it being opened up to like um to like almost open source so to speak, so people can develop games for it. Oh, no, basically the way they have it set up is every game that's being developed for the console um, is approved and curated by the original devs of the console, the people that created the console. So, like, if you want to pitch an idea, you pitch it directly to the CEO and the the team, and then they would approve you to be a part of their developer program. So, like, they're trying to take it from a quality standpoint. Like, they're only going to release games that have been approved through their developer process to come to the console. And they're only going to release a certain number of games at a time. And um, the other quality part of this is that even though these games are being pitched directly through and help development by the original creators, um, none, none of the games are supposed to cost more than $10. That way, they're only releasing a certain number of games, and all of the games they're releasing are going to cost you, you know, one-sixth or one-seventh of the next-gen console's prices. Right, okay. I just I just wanted, because if, if there was a degree of, like, you know, sort of the ability for people to develop their own 
their own things on it or, or, or you know at least some degree of of that's something the Atari does have. Um, I will give them yeah. credit on that. Is they have made it to where anybody can develop for the console directly from the mm. console. So okay, so so in so in theory, this might be a slow burner. It might be it might be something that initially people are like sort of confused about and a bit hesitant to pick up. But once a few people get hold of it, and especially if it's used in a family kind of setting, I mean, mm. I, I got kids, so, so you'd be able to sit down and, and play like a little a, a little game with them. Um, you know, a little video game with them is, is something that's it's good you know good wholesome family time um if if that's kind of a design ethos they've got in mind then in theory it might be something yeah like a slow burner people pick it up a few more people pick it up they see what this thing can do on like games nights or when people come over you know to visit or whatever you know, you know once you get past all the stuff going on in the world at the moment right um and then and then maybe it will start to gain some traction and start to become a little bit more like a like a sort of a almost like a cult <laughs> like, like not not a cult like a like a like a yeah like a cult a sleeper um, hit a sleeper hit yeah almost. yeah 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 like a like a yeah cult sensational underdog you know. yeah 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 oh another cool thing is that you can link your cell phones to it so yeah it's add extra controllers yep. yeah oh okay all right huh. so all, all right okay so all right, so with yeah okay so if that it's got that kind of functionality with it then yeah i, I could definitely see this being a slow burner that could potentially start slow get people's heads turning they start having to play with it see what it can do and what, and what it's mm-hmm. capable of and then suddenly think actually you know this is a pretty good price point this is a you know pretty good price for games this would work really well for this yeah okay let's pick one up if nothing else it'd be cool for like games nights with the family yeah so, and that, that's actually why i'm picking one up yeah yeah oh uh, yeah okay well yeah in, in that in that respect yeah i think it's it's slow burner um yeah, maybe, maybe a million. Maybe yeah, I, I want to say a million. I, thankfully, he actually we we interviewed Tommy, the guy here on the screen, and he actually told told us. I'm not going to repeat it, but told us the number of units he has to celebrate even. So, like, I feel comfortable saying a million, and he's still being okay. And the company will be fine. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he's not. He's not like holding anything over our heads. Well, you don't. You can say whatever you want. Tommy's fine with that. I know. No, no, no. He's <laughs> totally fine. I, just, I can't remember if he said that during the actual interview or like in between the segments. So. Well, basically, they have investors' dollars. They don't need your money to maintain their company. It would just be nice to have a very successful console for them. Yeah. I would yeah. say if you guys want to learn more, like watch this guy's videos on this. Like he, his enthusiasm for the console is infectious. It is. So he actually, you can clearly see he's actually passionate about what he's doing, and it's less about trying to, you know, sell 400 million units, but more really like the ones he sells, people really enjoy it. Exactly. Yeah, that's kind of been his whole message. But I don't want to just turn into another uh, Amico infomercial. Yeah, I know. I know. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is good, there anything else you guys want to say? Anything else you guys want to say about uh, the next gen consoles coming out? Uh, yeah, they need more uh, more Xboxes available to the public yeah. so you can actually buy one. I'm hopping on that thirty five dollar <laughs> a month plan for the Series X. Whenever they get that out and yep. Halo's out, I'm definitely jumping on. Yep, same. I think I think I'm waiting for the Halo themed uh, Series X to come out because every single console uh, that has released with the Halo game has come out with a, a themed Halo one. The Xbox One did. Xbox three sixty had one. And I'm pretty sure the Series X is going to have one as well. So I'm pretty yeah. sure the original Xbox had one as well. 360 actually had two. Let's get a no, Series yeah, X four. with or mendicant Bias's face on it. That'd be cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
As always, if anybody does anything else to say real quick, say it now. As always, I'm Chris. I will. I'm Zang. I'm Jerzar. And thank you guys for being on here and suffering through another 45-minute video. (laughs) 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 Thank you, guys.